Sometimes the world just needs a hero to help cut through all the noise. Well, now you have two. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Welcome to the New Year episode of Your Heroes of Noise. I'm one half of this amazing duo. My name is Steve. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Happy New Year. It's 2020. Uh, you may be watching the news and knowing that everything is just hunky-dory, so we're going to have a really good show today. I hope that you guys had like a very safe New Year. Everyone's good. Everyone's still intact. No one's listening to this from a hospital bed or anything like that. Let's have some fun, Steve. I am enjoying the New Year. Well, the only thing I'm not... Well, I am enjoying everything. I'm in the itchy phase of my beard, but other than that, things are going wonderfully. Oh, yeah. Did we talk about this? Do they know what you're doing? I think they do. I think it's important think you tell do. them. Recap, I think, is necessary. I'm trying to go a year with a beard. As in, like, not... The only thing I'm going to do is fade it up, get it trimmed and stuff. But I'm going to grow up for a year and see how I like it. Because it's... I've never in my life had a beard before. I think you should just straight go for it and bust out, like, uh, your version of a ZZ Top beard. Don't trim it. Like... <laughs> like you've just been living in the hills, you know? <laughs> like a Kimbo just Slice. Straight, yeah, exactly. Like a Kimbo Slice, man. Just straight wild man beard. That's what you should do. Dude, I would look ridiculous. I've already, you know what's funny? I've already bought like beard butter, beard balm. Oh, no. Already? Oh, yeah. It's going to look nice and shinny. See, there was a thing a few years back where everyone was wearing beards, right? It was like a big thing. Like everyone has beards. Don't yes. get me wrong. You, you can walk down the street and see 900 beards, but it was like a thing for a while. And everyone had their, like, what'd you call it? Beard butter? Beard butter. I got your beard butter. Wow. Yeah, man. I don't know. It was a thing. So are you going to be doing that? Or are you going to be putting them up on Instagram and, and doing those no. long beard shots Mm-mm. and weird things no. with your eyebrows so you look like a model and all that stuff? No, I'm not going to do any of it. But as you know, I'm not a big, uh, like, I don't take pictures and I don't post them on, I'm not that person. Nor am I. So... And so I'm probably not going to do that. We probably should start doing that. It's just, I don't, okay, not to get in the weeds, but I don't know exactly how Facebook's proprietary thing on pictures go. I think they own them once you post them. And so I'm like, I don't know about this. We don't own anything. We just put our lives on. We don't own anything you post. (laughs) We just put our lives on on, uh, social media and they just take it for granted. They just take all of our private moments. Here's my baby. This is the first picture of my baby. Zuckerberg's like, no. It's my first picture of your baby. Exactly. Oh, here's this thing that Zach Braff did that reminds me of it. No, this is my thing that Zach Braff did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, why you got to bring up Zach Braff, man? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm, you made me yes, happy please, today. Please. Because I reached yes. out yesterday on Twitter. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Garden State. If you haven't, it's a good movie. I like it. A little slow, but it's a good movie. But there is a particular scene in this movie that has stuck with me for many, many years. 16, to be precise. And uh, without really giving you too much context, it has a lot to do with a broken latch on a dishwasher, the dishwasher door falling open and someone getting paralyzed from it. And there's more to it. okay? but that's that's for you to see. Anyway, this particular scene has jacked with me so much over the years that I literally cannot walk by a dishwasher. If the door is open, I have to close it because I'm afraid my wife's going to kill herself on this thing. Right. And this has been with me ever since then. Like, it's it's totally fucked me up, to be quite honest with you. So yesterday, I saw something about Garden State, which triggered this memory. And then I looked in the kitchen, and sure enough, the damn door was open. So I got on Twitter, and I said that I wanted to personally 
thank Zach Braff for putting this in my head because without this and like and like in my own opinion, I feel like I've saved Gail like 200 times. I've saved her life like 200 times, you know, it's kind of yes. just a jokey tweet. I put it out there not expecting anything. And really, when it comes down to it, this is not something that went viral or anything like that. But for me, I've never had such a response. Got like 900 likes, like so many retweets. And I guess I didn't know this, but Steve told me Zach Braff retweeted it. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm kind of famous today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm starting off 2020, right? That's a wonderful thing. I'm going to start uh, taking pictures on Instagram and you know where I'm at. I'm going I'm to be at Coachella this year with a funny hat on and shit. You know, you really should start taking more pictures and posting them, Dan. You know what? Don't. If you're not going to, don't don't put your bullshit on me, sir. I'm just saying. You got but also, you know, you you were photogenic. You're very photogenic. That is a complete lie right there. That I'm dead I'm dead serious. You're very photogenic. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Steve. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank. I can't wait for this to happen. Appreciate it. I really Oh, so check this out, ladies and gentlemen. Before this new year, well, was it after the new year? Anyway. Um we and you already know on Facebook, but we had a special early lunch this last week, December thirtieth, to be precise. See, Dan, here's the funny thing, ladies. Y'all don't know, but Dan thinks that I'm just not going to make things happen. That's what he thinks. He <laughs> thinks, oh, it's not going to go down. And sometimes I have to let Dan know, oh no, I make things happen, oh, baby. Boy. I makes miracles happen. Mm-hmm. In the great words of. Well, not Jerry Maguire, but anyway. So I was like, you know what? What we're going to do is get this thing together. I took it upon myself. You took the bull by the horn, Steve. (laughs) You saw there was a gap and you said, you know what? I'm going to fill that gap right now. Good job. I always, I do that often. If you ask, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, (laughs) so. Why why do I set uh, you up for this shit? You're right. It's totally my fault. It is your fault, dude. But actually, Dan had more to do. Uh, Dan and Favon wanted to meet very badly. Dan, Favon, and Gail, and we all got together. We ate at the Mad Duck. Uh, we ate some wonderful food, had some awesome conversation. We could have stayed there all day. We really could have. It was crazy how long we were there. I think we were there for like, I want to say like almost three and a half hours or something like that. Like it was oh, like yeah. doing a it, podcast. It we great. just didn't have microphones. And Dan learned a little something about me. I learned a lot about you. <laughs> it's also can't say any of it but i learned a lot it's always great when family's there because they just out you oh they out and the funny thing is it seemed like gail was more intrigued than anyone oh she's, she's like, always like you're, she's fascinated by you because you, oh that's a fun thing well in her opinion bro it's like you know and she told you this she will ask you a question when we you know on the rare times that we hang out she will ask you a question and you somehow have a way of deflecting it and turning it into a well how about you let's learn about you and we all sort of caught on to that shit the other day. So I don't think it's going to work anymore. You have to come up with some kind of new defense mechanism. Okay, I will. I will make. I didn't even know I did that. Oh, you. Totally I just like learning about people. I, understand. I like learning about people. And I think that that's a really good quality because you're when you listen, you genuinely listen and you remember everything. And that's really good because personally, if I ask somebody a question, they're like, "Like, how you doing? Oh, well, I'm I'm already out. You know what I mean? <laughs> how you doing to me is like, I I didn't really care how you're doing. But yes. Yeah. But you hold on to that stuff. So I think that's pretty cool. But I try to. But the thing is, is that you do have this thing you do where it's like a, it's like a deflection as soon as someone wants to get personal with you. And I can really vouch for this because I like this podcast has been an experiment of that over the last couple of years. So I feel like like it's a valid thing. We're going to work through this. I think 2020 is going to be a big year of growth for you. Not only your beard. 
I bruh. And you, I remember you having a beard and you, did you like it? Um, no, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's too gray. <laughs> so is mine. Mine is, I didn't realize that um, if there's a battle between the salt and the peppers, the salt has taken the peppers for it. Oh, yeah. And it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The war is done. For sure. I think it's, I'm probably like, I'm over three quarters salt. Oh, easy. Just a few. Easy. I don't need you to agree with me. I don't need, I know. I'm saying for me, I'm there. I'm I'm all the way. I'm not one, a George Clooney. It's over, dude. Yeah. I remember that. As, I remember those days when it was like, oh, it's kind of like a George Clooney thing. It's What do they call it? Distinguished. Now it's just straight up fucking gray. So I don't do it. That's that's my thing. And I, I think I want to. And that was another thing. I wanted to. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, she texted me the other day. And she was like, why are you doing the, the beard thing? I was like, I think I'm just doing it because. I'm happy about my age now, and it seems like a badge of honor that you know you're you're, you're gray is a badge of honor in my brain now. It's like, yeah, you're you lived a good life. A lot of people don't get to the gray. This time, is true, you know. And so I'm just like, I am going to say, hey, I'm a, well. You sure do look old. That's good. That's great. Then I've done something that many people on this planet have not, and I need to wear that as a badge of honor instead of trying to hide it. Wow, that's very responsible. Very grown up of you. I can't get behind it. <laughs> it's well, like, you, you know, I'll be honest is, with you. It's a complete vanity thing. I'm just not ready to accept the fact that I'm getting older. I, I mean, I think we both know we're not old. In the big scheme of things, we're not old. But we are getting older. And it's just a little, it's weird to look back on pictures of me. Like, if you'll notice, if you speaking of Facebook, if you go to Facebook, you'll be like, oh, look, there's Dan. There he is again. Look, he's doing something crazy. Look, there's a selfie. And now, like I would say right around, like, say, uh, I don't know, 2016. All that shit just stopped. Now it's just recycled pictures. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. It's Well, you don't get on Facebook very much either. You know what? Actually, nor do I. The only thing I do on Facebook is the community page. But Same with me. Yeah. yeah same with but me. that's it. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that's another thing that I'm going to... You know what? We should talk about some of our goals for 2020, I think, before we really get into anything. For sure. Well, first, can I ask you, what can you name? Give me five things that you're happy, that made you super happy in 20 or 2019 what things did you accomplish or do or you know conversations you had with your son or your daughter or things that you did with your wife what things happened this last year that you were so happy oh, about? you hit me on the spot here let's see well you got to keep in mind and i've talked about this before the first three quarters of 2019 kind of sucked for me because i was in that funk with work and everything but I'm going to go ahead and just go off the last few months so let's see uh something that what was the question again how did you how did you phrase it I said, how, what things, what five things made you happy? Whether it's a conversation that you had, whether it was a funny thing, anyone in your family, something that's just like the, I remember these five moments this, this year. Uh, let's see. I'm going to start with the obvious, which is that the growth of the podcast over the last year has been, I don't know if I'll say tremendous, but it's been super significant. And just the people that we've met along the way, the connections that we made, there's been a lot of networking in 2019. And I think that I channeled all that depression I had earlier and I just sort of put it into the podcast. So I feel very proud of what we accomplished last year. Like, I don't even think it's scratching the surface of what we can do this year, especially that we're both in good, like our heads are in good places this year. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. that we can do a lot more. But since you're asking, I think that definitely the growth of the podcast, reaching out and meeting all these new people, bringing in new listeners, that's that is probably my number one uh, I would say thing I'm proud of, you know what I mean? Like we, we worked for it. And when you, and 
you know, hard work pays off. So when it actually happens, feels good. We have a long way to go, but that's number one. Number two, getting the job that I finally wanted. Huge. You know, like it's all boring stuff. I'm going to be honest with you, but since you no, asked, that's fine. Yeah, but it is kind of, you know, it's- um, yeah, that's definitely it. I think that uh, getting the job I finally wanted and feeling like I can now breathe and that things are stable again, every that that made like all the difference in the world because it was almost I would say it's probably like 95 percent of my depression last year. Uh, what else, man? What else? Um, God, I don't know. I only have like two right now. I mean, of course, you know, I'm always happy that my family's healthy. I'm happy that my kids are are successful. I've got, you know, uh, they're both happy and healthy and doing, keeping busy and everything like that. The daughter has a boyfriend now. I don't know if I'm happy mm-hmm. about it, but I'm proud of her because she's being responsible about it. And he's a good kid. Well, good. Um, I don't know if I think of anything else along the way, I'll let you know. But like I said, like three quarters of last year was shit. <laughs> so, so I'm really focusing on the last, the last quarter of 2019. How about you, man? I know cause you're just like this, this bag of positivity. So what do you got? Um, I think, um, number one, those were good picks. I think for this last year, I think the, the main thing that a lot of things I was happy with, there's like a list of things that were really fantastic. But I, like I told you, I had this jar of cool things that happened to me on a daily basis. And then I read them at the end of the year. And some things I forgot. I, like, oh, oh, I forgot right. about that. Yeah, you do that. Yeah, I was like, this is right. Would you but, care to um, read them? Um, you know what? No, I already threw them away and they're, they're, it's a brand new, uh, bottle. Okay. Cause like when you, when I read them, I toss them. So I think... The main thing that was big was this is the first time I went in recent memory through a funk. I think that was a thing because if I didn't go through that funk, I wouldn't be in such a wonderful place now. And I think I was like, oh, that that was a really that's a really good thing that happened in my life. It's like the funk took me to a place of Zen that I've never been in. Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah, go for it. So what do you think? I know we've talked about this on the show, but what do you think it was that brought you out of the funk? I have no idea. I literally have no idea. I don't know if it was something I read, uh, uh, a Zen. I mean, there's this like, uh, maybe it was some sort of quote I had or whatever it, whatever it was, it literally put me, I woke up in this totally, um, it, I remember the day. Because I thought I was still in a funk and we were in the middle of a podcast. And all of a sudden I realized that the cloud lifted. And I was like, I'm feeling really good now. So I was with you when the cloud lifted? Oh, for sure. You, like we were in the middle of a podcast. I was not in the mood. And bro, the answer, the answer like, is simple. It's me. I brought you out oh of the my funk. Gosh. You totally did. I'm just going to take oh credit gosh. for it. You're welcome. It's your voice. It is your voice. Oh my god. You gosh. are so it's welcome, Dan dude. Manathan. It, that is amazing. If there's anything else I can do for you, you let me know. But you are so welcome. Uh, you could uh, invest in my Hawaii trip. Nah. Oh, you want to talk about trips right now? But anyway, because <laughs> we're going to talk about trips now. Now, that, you, trip. now that you've reminded me. Um, what else, man? Before I uh, like annihilate you on here, what else? Yeah, there's a million. There's a million. Great. This this last year was. Great. I mean, obviously, you already said the pod, so the pod is an automatic thing. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the community more than anything, right. like seeing them, talking to them online. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just being in a Zen place where being okay with if nothing else changes, are you okay with life? Yes. And that's that's that happened this year mm-hmm. because, you know, you're always battling a where did you think you would be at this time? And it's like, well, that's not the battle you should have. It's where are you right now and are you happy with where you are right now? So getting there is a big deal. 
any other major things happening in your life over 2019 that you might want to be thankful for? Trying to help you out here, G. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, that's an obvious. That's an, But the thing is, like, when people say, I'm happy for, obviously, you know, Melissa and, and the relationship and all that stuff. But it's like, I don't want to make it seem like people that don't have a relationship. If you're content and zen where you are, no one else should be able to make you zen. Yeah, but I don't. Like, when someone's like, I don't. I get it. No, I feel what you're saying. But sometimes it's like, I remember when I was single listening to the podcast, I'd be like, oh, the greatest thing to happen to me is the relationship. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, that made you happy. But but that doesn't necessarily have to make you happy. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that you can't celebrate that just because oh, other course. people I, aren't oh, celebrating sure. it. Like that's not their journey's not your journey. Oh no, for sure, but the the most important thing for me was being in my zen because otherwise the relationship would have failed. Like cuz I would have been like I would be waiting for someone else to bring me my happiness. And as soon as they came, and they obviously could not deliver on that promise cuz it's not their job to then it would have all fallen apart. The major thing was me getting to the Zen space where now I could add something to someone else's life. Look at you. I could actually add value to someone else's life. And they aren't here to be like, here's, um, you know, we're, we're, you bring, you make me happy. Well, if you make me happy, I am screwed. Cause man, yeah, you're supposed to be happy and they just add to it. So I'm trying to, I'm glad I could bring value into someone else's life, and I'm glad that that value is being instilled into Melissa's life. Wow, you really think a hell of a lot of yourself, don't you? Of course. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, that's good, man. I'm glad that you're in a in a you know a healthy, happy relationship because I am. I've learned so much, and I feel like you're on the right track. Can I can I can I say something that you told me? Of course. I don't think I'm just gonna get me in trouble. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, you, you, well, I no, you know, I won't tell you specifically what you said, but you said something. I was like, give me some relationship advice. And you gave me some very important advice um, about relationships. So I'm very thankful for you and Gail. Like there, I, I have something to look to and be like, okay, they've done it for a long time. You know, you guys have <laughs> like... Go ahead. When I say do, do seven obscene, months, do the obscene amount I, of years we've been married. It's always like no, you guys like seven hundred forty-seven years. So if I say like, "Hey, it's been seven months and this thing isn't working," you think seven months? You're like, dude, you'll be fine. Like you're able to look at it from a a, a huge scale and be like, "Easy, that comes a little bit later." And it may, in your brain, for me, later is like in another year. But for you, another year is like, no, 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 no. That comes later. Like, later. You have a while. And so you're able to give me a perspective on a big screen. Hey, just for the well, record, for me, though, and I'm just, know, I'm doing this, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm doing this to completely, yeah, no, no. you know, have your back. You never said those words to me, that it's been seven months and it's not working. Again, I'm just trying to help you out. You're giving, no, no, a, no, no, you're no. giving an example, yeah, but yeah. I think it kind of came off like you said that to me. So I'm just, you know, you never said that. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry if I said, I mean, like. There's, there'll be a time where I'm just like, hey, you know, I've had questions for him. And Dan will just be like, dude, those things come so much later. Like, there are certain things that, like, I'm like, shouldn't I do this? And I do this? And I shouldn't I be doing? And you're like, no, no, no. Just breathe. You're you're good. You're you're on your... Whereas people that are... If I'm talking to people that are in the same situation I am and they're doing things different, I could be like, well, then shouldn't we be doing this too? And we should be doing... Like, no, everyone, just because seven months for them is seven months is not seven months for you. Whereas 20 years in, you could be like, okay, I, I've, where you've been, I've now been there. And I could tell you that just, 
you're, you're on the right track, breathe. And so I'm really thankful for you and Gail to be able to have a relationship that I could actually look to and be like, okay, okay, I could ask them. Those are kind words, man. Thank you. Hey, speaking of Gail, <clears throat> one more thing that I'm thankful for is the fact that she got herself a job, not because of any kind of like income issues, yeah. but she had been without one for a very long time and it was, it was fine and everything. And I think she was, I think she thought she was content. And now that she's working again, I see this whole different side of her. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like she feels a little more value in her life and I can see this change in her and she has, you know, not that, not that she didn't before, but now she has these, these external things to talk about and everything. And I've just seen this complete turnaround in her. So I'm thankful for her. For her, first and foremost, but also because, and sorry if we're getting cheesy, guys, but you know what? We're grown-ass men. We can do this stuff. I'm just happy that she found something that made her happy and that she's so into her job and she loves it so much. And I'm also thankful for the community when she got the job because when she posted that she got the job, like, I mean, we have such good people on our page, man, from Kurt to Steven to, you know, Adam, everyone, man, really, Johnny, all of them were just so supportive of that. And, you know, David, another one, super Super supportive. So it was really cool that we have this little network of people. It may be a little small, but I'm so grateful for it because I'd rather have it small and personal than huge and impersonal. So I'm, I'm just thankful that for so, so much real. stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, one last thing, because this has been quite the year. I think we've gotten, I mean, we've always been close, but I'm thankful for Favon because I mean, without her this year, with some of the stuff that I, the bummer I was in, it's just, to have an auntie like her, it's just, it's unheard. And you're so close so in age you. too. Which makes yeah, it it's like, really like a sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like when we were sister. sitting there, you know, I don't know why in my head, like I know people who have aunts or uncles who are significantly younger than them. It's just the way it all worked out, you know. But I always likened aunts and uncles to being older do you know what i mean like it's just yes, so yes so sitting there and talking with the two of you yes i mean she's got a couple years on you but she, you would never know it <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean no she's the same age i am for like the gap is the same as for me and portia okay all right yeah yeah um and we're the same age i don't know if i'm giving yes. away too much there sorry Favon, no, yeah but, you guys are uh yeah but you would never know it, man she's just uh she's a pleasure to be around dude i had so much fun I was a little nervous, you know me, because meeting new people for me, even though we've had contact and we've, we've you know, we've heard her on the show and we've, we've had, you know, private messages and stuff like that on Facebook and everything, texting, what have you. I'm always a little bit nervous when I meet new people face to face. And she made everything so comfortable and it just it all clicked. And like I just the only regret I have about that lunch is not having microphones there. Not that oh, I have dude. to record our lives, <laughs> but it was good conversation that we were having, you know? Fantastic. Yeah. It was it was and it was fun to see her and Gail click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. That was really cool. That was really good. Because not um that it doesn't always work like that. And so it was it was just this year has been so good. It has been so good. Now this year this next year, I mean like this year, 2020. <laughs> Getting off to a rough start, but we're gonna get through it. Whoo! <laughs> you, you know, um I shouldn't even laugh, yeah, but well, you know what I'm saying. No, we're we're yeah, you folks we're, are reading the news. Trouble. Yeah, we're we're in a tough situation. But uh, so what are you looking forward to, Dan, in 2020? Uh, travel. Lots of travel. Lots? Lots of it. I mean, as much as I can. Okay. I just now have the, the wherewithal. I'm not even talking money so much as just like time to do so and, and vacation hours to do so. 
So I really look forward to spending some some time with my family and trying new places out. And I don't know, man, like I would I don't want to like make any grand predictions of what we're going to do this year. But I would really like to take the family on a big vacation. And uh, and one of my resolutions is to travel more and stop being so like I'm just going to stay inside. I'm going to watch Netflix. You know, I mean, like I, I want to get out there more. I want to improve my health. I want to get and I said this last year, too, but I really do mean it this time. I actually tried and then I just fell off the wagon. But I just want to get back in shape and be more healthy. And, you know, I sort of realized that there's only so many days on this planet. So we should do something about that. And I just want to that's that's my goal, really. It's just it's like travel, uh, self-improvement, all the shit that people say. And I swear to you, in my heart, I really mean these things. Like I think it's going to be a great year, man. And then, of course, you know, visiting all you people pretty soon. I'm sorry, Steve, I'm going to go there for just a quick second. Uh, yes, please. For C2E2. I'm really excited about that. That's coming up so fast. Everything's falling into place. I'm about to make my purchase for hotel room and everything and, and airline tickets. And, you know, I had a conversation with Brian this morning, just talking a little bit about it. Uh, there is one thing, though, that I'm going to address. I thought uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll just blast him, but I'm not going to blast. But would you like to sort of make a statement about uh, C2E2? Are you there um, yet? Yeah. I um yeah uh I don't know if it's gonna oh here let me tell you why there was a choice I had to make a tough choice I had to make um about uh, a friend and the friend obviously won out uh, because I haven't been the best friend over the I've always we've talked about this for since the podcast and Dan has always been like why what is your what's going on there why don't you just go. And so it was a choice between Hawaii and Chicago, and unfortunately, Hawaii won. Not unfortunately, but uh, I'd say unfortunately on my end, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like I'm not saying I love. I'd love to see if he's listening. I can't wait to see you. It's not unfortunately. I got to go see you. It's not that at all. It's it's a um you know it was uh, Hawaii won out. Not all of us could be like Chicago. Why this, that in a year? It's like, oh my God. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, some of you uh, people Hawaii travel like out. crazy. I commend you, but goddamn, how do you do it? I'll tell you, one of my bruvs, one of my bruvs does a lot. <laughs> I'm like, how is he? I think, you know what I think? You know what I think? I think Nana secretly owns like a tech company and he's not telling anyone. He'll be like, yeah, I own Twitter. Come on. Maybe it's living across the pond that allows you to do this because let's take Johnny, for instance. He just got back from Egypt. He's all over the place. He was considering going to Chicago. He's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to spend all my cash in Egypt. And I don't blame him one bit. I cannot hate on that. Like if I never saw a picture from there or anything, just saying, yeah, I was in Egypt, just chilling at a resort. That's pretty dope. That's that's, that's good enough for me. But um, yeah, listen, man, I was going to really like, just because I like to you know, screw with you a lot. I was, was yeah, going to yeah, really yeah. give you the business on here. But honestly, I can't. If you got to do that, that's cool. But it's just um, as excited as I am to go to C2E2, there is also this little tiny bit of anxiety in me because it's not like I'm afraid to go places on my own or anything like that. But I've never been. I want to see. Have I been out of town by myself before? It's pretty pathetic, actually. Like to go and do something and stay there for a while. The only time I think I've ever done that. Uh, it was just a couple of years ago, I, I went to go and officiate my friend's wedding, but I was with friends, so I wasn't by myself. And then I went to a, a business meeting thing, this workshop thing several years ago in San Francisco, and I was just there for a couple of days and, you know, 
wearing a tie and just sitting in a room and, and riffing yeah. on x-ray and stuff like that. So those are really my only two experiences. So now I'm going out of state for, I think, around four days, if I'm not mistaken. And there's a little bit of anxiety anxiety in me because it's like I know people. There are people that we've talked to on this show. There are people that I've talked to that I've never actually spoken to, but I've talked to you know via Facebook or whatever. And I know they're all going to be there. But it's just weird for me because there I'm a, I'm a bit of a shy dude, you know. I'm I'm reserved. Maybe I'm not shy, but I'm reserved. And it takes me a little while to approach someone. So this is going to be kind of interesting. So if you see me at C2E2, come up and say hi. I'll probably do the same thing to you, but it might take me a little bit longer. I would really like a kickstart because I plan on going to every single evening of festivities that we have. And I don't really mind walking the floor by myself or going to a panel by myself, but Guys, I'm asking for a little bit of help. And and gals, just just come up, give me a hug, say hi, make me feel comfortable, and then everything will be just fine after that. Because my friend abandoned me, you know? Oh, here's the funny part. I, I With listening to you, I'm like, I, I think I've, I've been forced over the last, well, 15, 16 years to always go out of town by myself. Because <laughs> I was never really in a, a thing. So I always went by myself. This is going to be, this is technically going to be the first trip I go with a significant other. I've never done that before. Mm, you're going to learn. You're going to learn. Some yeah, things. I don't know what to expect. I don't know how that every other time I'm like, yeah, I'm a, you know, I go by myself or whatever. But you've traveled never, together. You've gone places. We That's have. True. We've never done an overnighter. Really? Never. That's weird, Steve. You know me, dude. Yeah, weird. You know me. That dude. is, you are a little weird. I don't, please don't take offense when I say that. No, it's true. I'm going to like that whole, you already know the bathroom situation. Yeah. So yeah. Gonna How's that going to work out? Are you staying with your friend? Uh, no, one, no, that was the reason I'm not going to, but, um, uh, he's going to show, he's going to take, I think a week off to show me everywhere to show me around the Island and all that stuff. You're going so, to Maui, right? Uh, no, he's on, he's on Oahu. Oh, okay. Okay. And he's like, uh, I'll show you around so you don't do stupid stuff. Not like stupid, like, st- I guess. So tourism, you don't end up with a like, needle in your arm somewhere in an alley. Yeah, he's like, the tourists are going to tell, or the, the tour guides will be like, you should do this. He's like, no, 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 no. There are certain things you should do. Other things will waste your time. Yeah, always trust the locals. Yes. And so he'll, he'll take a week off uh, work and and show me around. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a, if you don't mind me asking, could you could you tell me your Three bucket list countries to visit. Just talking about this last night. Oh, that is what are the chances? Uh, I don't know. I talk about travel all the time. I just don't do it. So let's see. I would have to say like the place I would want to go the most. You're talking about places that I've never been before, right? Never been. I think the place that I would want to go the most, I would want to check out because uh, our friend Maya just went to Rome and she kind of stayed in Rome. She had some issues. She had a great time, but. I don't know what it was. She had some issues with like Florence and uh, she was supposed to go to Venice and they canceled that or whatever. But apparently they had a really good time. And you know what she said? She said 10 days was too much. Interesting, right? Maybe if you're staying in the same spot, 10 days is too much. Yeah, I would imagine. Give me a train. I'll go. That's the thing. You could actually hit a lot of different places that, you know, if you want to. Yeah, yeah. But Italy is probably at the top of my list just for the... You know, the sights and the sounds and especially the food. And I, I want to go check out the Coliseum. And I just I really want to soak up that culture. But I'd have to say that realistically, the thing that we'll probably end up doing first, I don't know, like as a family, but definitely as a couple is going to be Ireland. I really want to take Gail to Ireland. I know that's something that she's wanted her entire life. 
And I want to check it out, man. I'm willing to pretty much go anywhere, but Ireland's beautiful. And that's probably the top of my list. If I could do one thing, like if I had a wish, they said, hey, what do you want to do this year? I'm going to give you a vacation and you can take Gail somewhere. It would be Ireland. That is freaking awesome. Thirdly, though, God dang, dude. I don't know. You know what? I might have to take back the first choice because I really, really, really want to go to Japan. Like, really? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd go apeshit in Japan. That is interesting. The food, the sights, there's just so much to look at there. Like, I went to Times Square and that's a really busy place. And it's not as cool as you think it would be because, you know, you're walking by a bunch of Sabaros and shit like that, you know, yeah. um, famous Daves and stuff. You know, you have your 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 Broadway area. and and But it's just a lot of stores. But a lot happens there in Times Square, you know, and it's just this busy place. But uh, in Tokyo, man, it's just constant motion and, and uh, sound and everything. And, of course, the food. Yeah, I think I would rather go to Japan. Okay. That's yeah. fair. That's I kind of want to go to China too, but I think the the air is a little bad and it's a little too crowded for my taste. And I don't think Gail would want to go do that either. That's a, but I pretty much go anywhere. Like you, like if you said, "Here's a trip," I'd go. I think mine would have to be Ghana, the UK, and Rome. Oh, UK's up there too, man. Yeah, I've got a lot of choices to make. But uh, <laughs> the first thing I'm doing is Chicago, and then we'll go from which there. is wonderful. Which is wonderful. That's going to yeah, be fantastic. Chicago with 30 below weather sounds awesome. It's going like to be. guys, if it was you, this is how you know that I really want to meet you people. Because <laughs> if, if you weren't there, there's no freaking way I'd go to Chicago this time of year. Did I tell? Oh, you know, an interesting thing happened the other night. Um, so my mom doesn't know certain things, and we were talking about going to Africa, right? Mm-hmm. And I said it would be wonderful that we can find the birthplace of humanity. And she got quiet. And she says. Not everyone believes that that's how humanity started. It's like, oh, yeah. How would you? Okay, well, let me just ask you this question. Let's just say they did. How are you going to find this place? Well, in general, they know, I mean, they know that in general, where, like, I'm talking about Africa as a whole, I'll be in the birthplace of, hum- of human mankind. That's crazy to me. I'm like, this is where we sprouted from. That's insane. All of mankind? In Africa. Let me Hold on. Let me make sure. That's that. somewhat debatable. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying. Hold on. Then you got the people that are like, no, it was Adam and Eve. We're all related. That's what she said. That's what she Every said. Every single one of us. Humans first evolved in Africa. Yeah. Where are you reading this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually dot education, like a actual education, the, Smith, no, the Smithsonian Institution. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go with what they're saying right now because I was it's like. On the internet, it must be true. Wow. What, a- me? Oh, no, no, no. I'm reading this. I need to take my eyes off it because there's some. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And all of a sudden, I'll be deep into this article. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, wow, you take offense very easily. <laughs> All right, so you want to go to Africa. That's cool. And the UK, of course. That's Those are great choices, man. I want to go to the UK, too. I don't know what's going to happen. But ladies and gentlemen, my ass is going to be on several planes. And not just on the same trip this year. Are you? Stuff's happening. I think so, yeah. And, okay. if, not, and if not, I'm preparing for next year. Um, I wonder how many... Because if you actually budget it correctly, you could actually go to quite a few places this year. You can go to as many places as you want. Mm. Not as you won't, because you need the, you also need the time and all that stuff. But you could hit the UK this year. People do it all the time. You're right. 
Gee, I've talked to people that have you ever met those people that travel and you're like, how are you doing this? Mm -hmm. All the time. <laughs> pretty much anyone that, <laughs> pretty much anyone you're that like, travels. I know you. And did you start selling that crackocaine? Because you are going <laughs> everywhere. Crackocaine? <laughs> There's the next ringtone. Oh, wow. Uh, but yes, anyway, uh, back, dude. All in all, 2019 was incredible. Incredible. It was just fun. I hope 2020 and <laughs> it started off with a bang. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah, no, not even close. But uh, the first was amazing. January 1st, loved it. I pretty much want to go to anywhere that's left. That is such a smart. Do you know how many ways, like in That's my some brain, dark shit right there. No, in my brain, I'm like, yeah, it works both ways for me. Anywhere that's left, and anywhere that's left. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> I was like, yeah, it works both ways for me. Yeah, yeah, stay yeah. Out I of mean, the, it's a, certain it's, areas you should stay out of. Yeah, a matter of fact, I was t I, uh, I was t Porsche's really high on foreign policy, and I was telling her countries I should go to. She's like, nope, you can't go there because the prime minister is this. I'm like, how about here? Nope, you can't go there because this. Blah, blah. I was like, okay. I would not have known this, and it's good to know what is happening in certain countries, you know, so that you don't go there and be like, I have made an enormous mistake. So, yeah, you, you should. I need to learn these things because I do not want to be in some prison and be like locked up abroad. They just make a movie about you 10 years from now. Yeah, they got, they, didn't, I'm thinking Will Smith. You think so? I thought you weren't. I thought you were anti Will Smith. Didn't no, we just talk about this? I know, but I'm saying to play me, I would think they can't get Michael B. Jordan. No, nah, don't don't uh, flatter yourself. I was uh, thinking more like uh, Anthony Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> no? no, no. All right, no, I'm just wondering. Right. No, probably Chadwick Boseman will still be playing every black dude in the world. So maybe him. Yeah, he's got he's everything is on lock for him. That dude he needs is, somebody. Who's the first person we think of? Black Panther. Oh, I was watching something. Um, what else? What was I watching? It was the Kevin Hart special. I think it's called like "Don't Fuck This dude, Up" on Netflix. He, oh, we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that scene? I know you did because you watched it. But that scene where he's talking to Chadwick Boseman, he's trying to get him to do. Uptown Bro, he ain't Saturday doing night. that movie. He ain't doing that movie. Boseman dog. was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hear what you're saying um, <laughs> i'm glad that you found that funny too because it was so so clear that he was not gonna take that part dude he did the equivalent of so we're gonna do this 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 and chad and we're like okay and he's like i'm gonna do this, this and he's like no i heard you <laughs> i heard you the, i get it yeah, my silence is not because i did not understand the plot i got it when I saw that, I looked on IMDb because, you know, some time has passed since yes. that actual meeting that they filmed. Not a goddamn person. Heck no. Because no he one. said, he was like, um, I'm not going to give you an answer now. I have to kind of think on the end. Kevin Hart's like, yeah, yeah, because he, he, that's a thoughtful brother. I'm like, oh, he is done. He's like, Chad was thinking, can I deal with this for eight weeks, 16 weeks every day? Can, can I, I do deal this? with eight weeks of no, no. <laughs> She wasn't ready. No, no. I can't. I don't know, man. I, I, at the same, I like Kevin Hart. And at the same time, I don't like Kevin Hart. Dude. What is, why is that? Well, here's the thing. This, this 
documentary was supposed to like make me like him more. Yeah, that's what I thought too. That's what it was supposed to. But when he's there's a there's a scene with him and his homie, apparently one of his closest homies, boss, right? Yes. And what he said to him was probably one of the coldest things a person can say to someone in the position that you kind of put him in. And Looks I was like, like we sort of fell, we fell into our first review on accident. So we might dude, as well talk about serious. it. And it was like, here's the thing. He had to do, his buddy had to do a math, like mental mathematics thinking, if I hit him, I could literally kill Kevin Hart accidentally. Oh, come on, man. I mean, listen, dude is stocky and quite built for his Try guy. quite, if he hit him, he could really hurt him. And there goes his meal ticket. Because even if Kevin Hart forgets, forgives him, will he still have him on staff? Right. No, but I'm saying like Kevin Hart, as as you know, as short as he is, he's pretty stocky and well built. I'm sure he could take a punch, but from that dude, that dude is a big. Then again, I I don't know though because he's standing next to Kevin Hart. I might meet him and be like, oh, you're a normal looking individual. <laughs> you just true. St- standing next to him, um, uh, like his boy, like Naeem Lynn. His other friend, he's not big because I remember I used to watch him uh, do comedy. He's not a large, but next to Kevin Hart, he, you know what's funny? Naeem Lynn, this is such a random tangent, but we're famous for this. Naeem Lynn had such a good, the, the first thing I ever saw him do, his opening line was, he's like, hi, I'm Naeem Lynn. People have a hard time uh, pronouncing my name. So when I introduced myself to a person, I was like, hi, I'm Naeem Lynn. He's like, oh, I thought your name was Nah, I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> but what is it though? Oh, that, it is. Oh, it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, that is so funny. He's like, I thought it was pronounced nah, I'm lying. He's like, no, it's <laughs> Naeem Lin. But anyway, so he has the way he talks, he's paying these guys a lot of money. Cause he said, I'm paying my barber. He said something like, very, you were probably the most well-paid barber. Yeah, he did say that. That's right. Yeah, and I was like, how much I wonder to have them going everywhere with him. And then you saw his present at the end. He takes care of his plastic cup boys. But what does that I mean? I will give him that. Yeah, he does. But what does that mean that they have to deal with? Because yeah, we only have to saw put up a with video. so much of oh, my dude. bullshit. And this is the stuff that I'm going to allow to be shown. Exactly. On the, on the series. He thought that was okay. And the stuff that he showed, yeah, it's like, dude, that's sketchy as fuck, some of the stuff you're dude, doing. Dude. I'm going to commend the cat on at least, listen, he made several mistakes. And if you want to know, watch the show. I mean, one of them has to do with infidelity. Other ones have to do with the uh, the Oscars. I think this is all common knowledge. It doesn't, com- dude, no. He didn't, he still has two more mess ups though. Remember, remember three strikes you're out. So don't trip. Yes. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his wife. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, like, before we get into that, yeah. because, yes, that's a very good thing to bring up, but I don't know if I commend him or just go, like, what do you do? Do you commend him? I almost went that route. But do you commend a guy for owning up to his mistakes publicly like that? Or do you go, oh, you're just doing this because you're getting paid to do it? Um, I, I, I think here, here's what I believe happened. I believe they said, we're going to pay you whatever money for a documentary. He starts filming a documentary and stuff happens. You can't now not have the documentary going. This is true because it's happening. I didn't even think about it. It's happening that. real it time. Stu- yes, it's real time. So you kind of have to be like, well, we got to cut yeah. around it to make you look as not douchey as 
So this is the cut version. Yes. And you could tell he's very, I mean, I think when you're a celebrity, you sort of have to be, but he's very self-absorbed. Oh, Constantly. And I think that they did try to paint that picture. And I'm not saying he's not by any means, because I don't know the guy, but- you know, they're all, his wife was like, well, he's a good father and, you know, and I love him very much and everything. But out of the same mouth, like what you were just saying, she's like, well, you know, he there was he cheated on me. And if I'm not mistaken, was it twice? I thought it was once. And then she said, you have three strikes. OK, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's what it was. So by what she's saying, and please stop me and correct me if I'm wrong. He cheated on me. But it's cool because I believe that someone should get three chances. Dude. So, so he's still got two in the bank. Two in the... And here's the thing, dude. Um, She's pretty, by the way, too. She doesn't need that shit. It's the money. Well, dude, and the thing is, I was like, I've never seen her before. Is this like her... Because remember, she said he, she met, he met me at a club. Yeah, when he was kind of nobody. Well, he was somebody. He, but he wasn't... The Kevin Hart we know now. He wasn't the Kevin Hart that we know. He was big. He was a millionaire, but he wasn't because he married his first wife. He divorced when he started becoming Kevin Hart Hart. Oh, and he'd already done Soul Plane and everything too, huh? Yeah, he had money. He was already feeling. He was already feeling like, like auditor, like major places. So he when was. You can rich. shop when you can shop in the kids department too. You save money that way. So yeah, he was well. <laughs> He was well budgeted, yeah. And we've seen we saw like three what well, two cars that he 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 was rolling. And I was like, both of these cars are legit. And I was like, sometimes we forget. And when he walked into his building, I'm like, the people that are around that table, he's paying all of them. And he's paying for his homies. And it's not even making a dent. There's something that his dad needs that he just throws out a number. He's like, Oh, I'll just send you twenty thousand dollars. God, it would be nice to have that. Kevin Hart makes more money than we think he does. Oh, I have no doubt. And you know that's what I'm just, saying? I mean, we're we're just, I don't know what you're looking at, but if you just take, let's say, his movie career. Oh, dude. You're not counting his comedy career. We're not counting all of the investments that he's made. All of the, you know, the production company that he's trying to form and, and this godforsaken uptown Saturday night, if it ever happens, you know, but he's got his hands in several pots where he's just making money hand over fist, man. His dude is... He is. I mean, rich. right now is the time of Kevin Hart, you know, I, I, and if I was him, like I would totally be going for it because, you know, we, we you only get so long. Yes. And I had to check myself. I had to, you know, take myself out of my brain and say, well, does he owe us? I remember I told you this, I think I was like, does he owe us an apology? With the the the, the thing he said about gay people years ago and. Um, the first thing I said was no, as long as he apologized to who he was supposed to apologize to, but he didn't do that. And I was like, oh, that's true. He didn't do that. And the way that he con he talked to his publicist, it was almost like I'm above this and be like, but you're not. And I love the fact that he ended up not being above it. It ended up kind of biting him in the butt, but I like that. He has somebody that's so. I don't want to say hardcore, but she's like, I'm not going to, you're just Kevin Hart. You're just another dude that I'm you're working You're another right person. Now. I could get a job tomorrow yeah, with yeah. someone so else. All this star bullshit that you're saying to me right now is nothing. It's yep. just, this is what you need to do. Well, I'm not going to do that. No, you are going to do that. No. And then when he doesn't do those things, it bites him in the ass. It told, And the thing is, she's like, I've done this before. I know how to, uh, to navigate yeah. this, right. these it waters. It first rodeo. Yes, because everyone has a tweet. I know how to do this thing. Trust me. I'm not going to say it. I already said what I was going to say. I already said. I was like, dude, you are just, 
impossible, bro. One, you could tell that the happy Kevin we see is also balanced by that guy we saw. He's also that. He's a, well, you're always going to put your best foot forward in the media. Course. Of course, dude. And he and he's like, well, you no, know, I'm not going to do it. I already said it. I already said what I was going to say. And um, it's unfortunate because we didn't see growth at all. We didn't see growth. We heard growth from <laughs> growth. Kevin Hart. <laughs> you have that. I like how you did that. I didn't even beat that. <laughs> and we, we saw his coworker be like, I've seen you do a lot of growth in the last month. And this was like seven months late. I'm like, OK, no, 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 no. We didn't see that. And you've been videotaping everything. You just skipped over that. I don't think so. And it's tough because he's paying people's bills. He's like, if my, my if my CEO said some whack stuff and they're like, yeah, Steve, just walk off the job. I'm like, now, now. I can't just like walk off. the. So she can't very well walk out of the office with no job. So she kind of has to, they put her in a position where she has to like walk that weird line. And so I didn't, it's like, I get why she said, I've seen a lot of growth and whatever, 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 right? But Kevin didn't show anything. He didn't show any growth. He showed that he's a rich guy that acts like a rich guy. The end. Speaking of rich guys, man, do you think that he actually has, you know, a, a team that really wants to support him and see him grow and all of that? Or do you think that these people are just paid very well? Because what I'm getting at specifically is uh, I think he was I think it was his PR rep, if I'm not mistaken. It was uh, she, she was gay and it was during that. Well, she still is. And it was that part where he was getting all that flack from the Oscars. And she was like, look, he, they go he calls everyone in for this Sunday meeting. And he's like, you know, I know what you guys are hearing. And I just want you guys to know that I'm, I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. And I, you know, I plan on being a better person growing from this and blah, 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 blah. And she kind of called him out. She's like, look, I was offended by that, but I believe in you and I'm going to continue to do. And she's stuck by his side. You know who I'm talking about, right? Do you remember that part? Yeah. So do you think, She's stuck by his side for the sake of a dollar or because she believes in Kevin Hart. You can't just walk. She had to be like, yeah, he's grown because what are you going to do? You're not going to say you suck and then you lose this job. And I'm imagining he pays well. He's got to. You know what I'm saying? And so because for them to stay there and they are just raw, which they're supposed to be. They are raw, raw, shish, boom, bah, Kevin Hart. Raw, raw, shish, boom, bah. They are really. And then they're like. Hey, what is Kevin Hart's Kung Fu Panda? And he just was like, that's incredible. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> I didn't know that that was such an amazing thing to say. What is your Kung Fu Panda? When you're trying to make money and steer someone's career? Yeah, I mean, that seems like it's sort of like if you're a comedian and you're animated like the way he is, uh, much like Jack Black is or something like that. I think that's a pretty valid question because there's money to be made. It's a business, you know? True, but it's not mind-blowing. The fact that no one said it before then is fairly because he already did the life of pets or whatever. I'm like, well, he's already doing that. No, I think the life of pets was I think that was pre life of pets. Was it pre life of pets? I could be wrong, but I think no, it was. because he was doing remember he was doing the voiceover for it. Okay. Remember he was in the studio. I'll go with I'll go with you on that one. Yeah, he was in the studio doing the voiceover and you could see it on the screen because they're like he said the guy was like, this should only take an hour. The director on the screen He's like, all right, cool. And he started doing the voiceover for it. There's I was a like, very oh. good possibility I may have gotten up for something at that park. because I don't know. You didn't it. miss anything. All it was, I was just like, oh, wow. So they don't even, they're not even in the same city. They're like the director's just telling him what to, to say. But Kevin Hart's voice, you can just do. Like, here's what I, here's the one thing I will say about Kevin Hart. He works hard. 
Oh, he's he could be one of the hardest working. Like this dude, <laughs> I was like, you never Lord. saw him without a phone by his ear. Nope, not even ever. Close. Not even close. He's just going constantly. God, that's got to be maddening. Um, no. If if someone gave, because Dan, you used to do sixteen hour days. Yeah, it was maddening. I know, but if they were, imagine if they were paying you fifty million dollars a year to do that. Yeah, you got a point. <laughs> <laughs> if they I can put up you, with a lot of bullshit now that I wouldn't have put up before. Exactly. And imagine if you were the boss. So 16-hour days are because you want to do them. Then it changes everything. It changes everything. You so can I'm put like, up with a lot. But, he but the does. thing is, it's like, but physically and mentally, that stuff is draining. It is totally draining. So you to will, keep going yes. that hardcore all the time, I think that sets him apart from other people. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing, but I think that he may have one of the like the strongest work ethics in Hollywood right now, for sure. Yeah, there is no question. I think it's a, uh, it's a very, and I'm, I'm sure it might be worldwide, but that is a very American thing that like you work to your fingers to the bone, even when you don't have to. Yeah, it's an American thing. It's but a it's very. Also, American it's also a. Uh, I can't say it's unrealistic because it's not because it's happening to him, but it's also sort of for the common person. It's a very far fetched American dream. That's and the, and my thing is like most people uh, will look at that and be like, I would do the same thing. But like, but no one thinks, well, all I need is seven million dollars and I just wouldn't work anymore. That's also a thing. You could totally just do that, too. That's the route I want to take. That's what I, I would be. But see, here's the thing. It's easy. Here's my Here's from what I've, the human condition, in my opinion, or what, no, this has been written. Um, I would imagine that he's doing the thing where I'm not happy now, so apparently more money will make me happy. So he's just going to keep on making more money. That makes sense. I mean, I think that's a pretty... You know how they say money doesn't bring happiness. I don't know if that's entirely true, but I think that that is a, uh, it's a common quest for a lot of people. Of course. Everyone's always chasing the dollar. I mean, I myself included. Of course. There's no, the thing is, they said that it's not the money. They said the jump from zero to 70,000 is astronomical. Not being able to pay your bills to $70,000 is the humongous, massive jump. Or whatever city you live in, when you can pay all your bills, the jump from not paying your bills to paying your bills. That's Actually. the happiness. But then from there, it says from what, from like whatever, what, depending on what city you're in, from that number to astronomical amount, there is no jump. The jump is like tiny, 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 tiny. They're like, because all you wanted to do was be able to survive. And now that you're surviving, no problem, more stuff doesn't help. They're like, you're honestly, you're, that's why, that's why it's like, well, what, what the crap? And I remember Jim, remember Jim Carrey was like, I could tell you that money doesn't buy happiness, but you guys aren't going to believe me until you do it. And then it doesn't buy your happiness. I'm like, that's probably the most honest way of putting it. Be like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you this because you're not going to believe me. But I'm telling you this as a rich person. It doesn't. I don't know. What no, to it makes you. a lot of sense, really, because, you know, take your grandest experience that you can think of right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's palpable for other people that have more money, whatever, you know, what, what have you. Somewhere, somebody's tired of that experience. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think it only lasts so long. The sheen only lasts so long. That's it. And dude. you're constantly chasing the dragon. Bingo! To, yeah, you're, you're constantly chasing the dragon, trying to make yourself even more happy than you were before. And at some point, you will run out. Exactly. I mean, unless you're like Dan Bilzerian, apparently, who just, you know, he needs us Which, a, yeah, a, bunch he's not of, even... a bunch of women, poker, planes, and guns, and he's good to go. And you know that that's not true. 
And weed, apparently, because I think he yeah. started a weed company, too. Oh, Lord. And the thing is, the dragon for that, the, what we're talking, the dragon is when you became, when you were able to pay your bills. That's the dragon. How happy you were to be able to pay your bills and not worry about it. And now you're rich and you're still trying to get that, that feeling. You'll never will, though. It's gone. The zero to being able to pay your bills dragon is gone now. And you just think you'll be able to, nope, you won't. That's why I was like, well, maybe if I buy this yacht, cool, nope. Maybe if I buy a bigger yacht, cool, no, you'll never get that dragon again. It it sucks. And I remember, uh, dude, I've been, also another thing that I'm happy for is long form reading. I really like doing it. Anyway, um, in this book, it was describing, hey, there's a there was a, um, a uh, freaking uh, psychiatrist for rich people. And he explained something. He was like, you don't think psychiat- or rich people need psychiatrists. And often my friends are like, why are you giving them time of day, right? And I was like, yeah, why are you? He said, now imagine this. Imagine a rich person. He said, they're very isolated because a rich, very a, a multimillionaire can't just hang out with Steve and Dan. Yeah, you start running out of things that are commonalities. That's what he was saying. He's like, you don't understand how isolating it is. Because it's like, one dude said, I think I told you, he's like, hey, what did you do this week? And, and uh, he's like, oh, I went out with my wife and we went to Wendy's and had a really good conversation. What did you do? And the guy was like, I can't tell him that I went to Paris. For lunch. Now I can't say it. But I want to express it with someone. But if I express it with a fellow rich person, they're going to be like, yeah, and? Right. But if I express it to this guy, he's going to be like, okay, this conversation's over. He's like, who do I tell it to? Who can I associate with? I'm like, I never in my life thought of that. He's like, yeah, that's an isolating existence. That's why they're so depressed. Because they want to mix with Steve and Dan. But they can't. They feel like they can't do it. And truthfully, I would also be like, Paris, really? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I need to- Just hating. I think my goal is to be in a Zen space where I could be like, tell me more about that. Tell me about Paris. How was it, man? Good. And not, not say, I want to be that. Because I don't want his issues. I don't want his issues. I wouldn't mind trying the issues every once in a while just to see how they. How lying, they I mean, lying. not the ones where he's uh, you know in trouble, of course. But which would, I wouldn't mind having some of those issues temporarily just to see what it's like on the other side. Oh, dude, it would. Um, I remember when I went to Atlanta when my uncle was just rolling in it, and the life he led was so different. I'm like, this is so weird, like chartered flights and i'm like this is not a normal this house isn't normal people coming i remember there's a point where ll cool j came to the house i was like that's not normal it's not just having dinner with with people like that but he just got so used to it that it wasn't a shock to him anymore until he lost it and now he looks back and was like oh that was crazy like yeah it was it was nuts would you like to have dinner with ll cool j steve I didn't go. I wasn't there. No, I'm saying, would you? No. Why not? Same thing we're talking about? Uh, I probably want to. Uh, be, no, the only reason I wouldn't want to have dinner with him is because I know a lot of people don't like having convert, convert conversations over dinner. I would want to walk and talk with him because I'd want to actually sit down and say, hey, man, a drink. And be like, at 17, how did you put out radio? Right. That's the thing. You would how be asking about all of this. Did the history you of this. Yes. Story. I'm like. What makes a 16-year-old boy think you can go up against, and not to get all weird music, but Dan and I remember how good rappers were when LL came out. 
for him to think I can outwrap them, it wasn't normal. And so that's what I would want to ask. He had a look. He had everything, dude. He had when he first came everything. Out, like, oh shit! Who is this guy? When he was like, um, okay, Dan, six to seventeen years old, you come up with LL Cool J is hard as ass. <clears throat> battle anybody. That's a seventeen year old boy. <laughs> Oh, with the bells? Gee! Gee! He was 17 saying, oh, by the way, I'm introducing myself. I am going to destroy the industry. And dude, 17 years old, bruh. Do you imagine talking to someone you're like, how old are you, kid? I'm 17. And so you're making music, huh? You think you got it? Yeah, I think I got it, man. You want to hear a little bit? (laughs) This kid ain't got it. Yeah, yeah, please humor me. Dude. All right, check this out. Dude. Dog. Come on. Gee, who's messing with LL back in the day? Back then, yes. Who is messing with LL? And this, mind you, this is um this is the era where my he was rapping in a way that you're like, oh, wow, he's trying to make a statement. He's doing his thing. Uh, and he's been relevant. Man, he, he's coming out with a new album. LL Cool J's coming out with a new album. Well, you know ladies love Cool J. Gee, so he he's always going to have that crowd. He looks amazing, dude. Gail loves Cool J. Does she really? Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. I so think she, she leave me for him. She likes the, um, she likes the uh, uh, when he did the live uh, uh, Mama Said Knock You Out. She likes the lip licking thing. I don't understand that. A lot of women, but, it, but yeah, a lot of women do. But nah, that's her thing. I don't. And and so I would like to have a conversation with LL about that. I would like. There's a lot of weird. Um, like uh, I would want to have a conversation with. Um, oh, that's that's terrible. I'm the worst person ever. Who's my boy with the the that I the rock group that I'm just like uh, that I'm like, dude, their their marketing is insane. Your favorite dude with the with the mummy. Oh, Iron Maiden. I would Bruce want Dickinson. like that conversation. He would have to just be like, "I'm leaving. I gotta leave. I'm sorry." Because it would be how long would I talk to him? Oh yeah, you'd in the so weeds, dude. He'd be like, "Wow. I mean, I guess you want to talk." Buy I, my book, fucker. I'm out. That's exactly. He's like, "I got to go because it's just no one." T- well, you guys probably do. But I haven't seen a book on the marketing genius of how only the marketing. Here's how I made this stick in your brain. That's I want to know because it I don't comes know. Comes down to Derek Riggs, man. He's the artist that did that. He's the one that lit them on fire. I mean, don't get me wrong. The music speaks for <laughs> itself. Like, yeah, but those album covers sold so many albums for them. Guaranteed. And shirts. It, it's, it worked for me. That's how I got Live After Death. I'm like, that is the coolest album I've ever seen. And I bought it. And it like, was 100% based on the cover. And people don't understand the... But it took, it took Iron Maiden to realize we can make something from that. It could be a thing. Because a lot of groups would have been like, all right, next artist for the next album. Next person for the next thing. And just drop the mummy. Let's call it. What made them keep it? Money? I know, basically. <laughs> like, but but people, see, a lot I, of people I don't make mean that money. like just oh we just want money. I'm saying like we're 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 having Derek Riggs make these amazing pictures and people just want to buy the shit out of them. 
I would dare to say that they have probably sold more concert shirts than any band that exists. I wouldn't maybe be surprised Metallica. Well, maybe pe- people I know that don't listen to them. Have Dude, I've been shirt. in line at these things. They have. I don't know. I've talked about this, but they have event shirts that are made specifically That's for killer. that venue. That's every killer. stop, unless it's like a you know like a quick California tour. They may do like one California shirt. But like when I saw them at that, oh god, I remember the name of the place now. But it was just a few months ago in September at this. Um, I am completely drawn a bank, a blank rather, on the soccer field that they played on. But they love football. So this shirt was just specific. It was like a football shirt, you know, and it was just made for that. And then the album covers and then just like they'll make T-shirts about individual songs. It's amazing, dude. So I've been in line watching people spend no shit like six, seven hundred dollars on shirts. Crazy what people do. A lot of times because there's like a huge fan club, they will buy shirts for people and then like send them all over the country because people want these event shirts. But dude, they are making so much money off of their merch. It's crazy. And I don't think that Metallica could top that. I really don't. No, I mean, it's a, that's why I would want to just sit down with them and be like, let me talk to the artist and, you know, the band and be like, okay, when did you know it was a thing? Was it because the shirts flew off or was it like, they might just be like, oh no, we knew as soon as we looked at it. We're like, oh, that's it. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I would just want to be like, okay, all I want to talk about is the marketing. So that would be another, like, there are musicians that aren't in my, my, what my, you know, on my listening stations that I would want to talk to for totally different reasons. And be like, how did you do this? How did you do that? You know, so I would love to have a lot of conversations with a lot of people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Their, their dreams, like who, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Who you would you like to? On the spot. Who would you like to have a conversation with that has nothing to do with anything? Like it's not they're not in your orbit, but you want to talk to them because they do something that interests you. Not in your orbit, though. Now you put me on the spot, Steve. You put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Like that, I have nothing in common with them. nothing. Just like me and the Iron Maiden thing, where something is out of your orbit, but they're like, but how'd they do that thing though? I don't know. I have a feeling that I would. a lot of it would go over my head and a lot of it I'd be eye-rolling, but I wouldn't mind talking to Elon Musk and seeing what makes him tick. That would be interesting. I think, he, really I think it would be an interesting conversation, but I think there would be some... Now, I'm not calling him a douchebag, but he might be a douchebag. Do you think he's a douchebag? Um, I think he's a... Uh, he's a person that believes uh, that... He's just super confident. Yeah, he's like... If you were to... Add, he seems like the type to be like... I have an idea and I want to do this. How did you do that? He would just be like, just go out and do it. That was his, that would be his brain. Cause it would be like, it's that easy. Go out, get the money, set it up and do it. Next question. I don't know if he'd break down the, yeah, it would be hard. And did it. no, I don't, I don't know if he's that guy. He would just be like, go out and do it. I also think I'd like to talk to Steve Martin. Oh, he's in your orbit though. That's true. He's, he's a hero. Very, yeah, yeah he, I guess that doesn't The jerk he's my, is in my your orbit. Yeah. Orbit. So. Hey, real quick, just so we don't, because we actually did kind of do a review. In a way, with that, uh, what do you rate the Kevin Hart special, Don't Fuck This Up? I'm going to shock you. Uh, because uh, as a documentary, I will put it at like a 3.5 because it showed me who he was. And that is accurate. Accurate. It's accurate. Yes, I would say so. Very accurate. <laughs> so I'll put three out of five. No, hold on. 3.5 out of of five two hour three hour late workouts okay 
Jeez, he was a douche for that. You know what? I think that that's a pretty fair rating right there. I'll go with the same. 3.5 out of 5 red plastic cups. Oh, because he was, dude, he was, oh, in that Chelsea Handler. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and the the whole thing where like, oh, no, they, they go every interview with me now. Ugh. Yeah, it's a bit much. It's but a he's bit taking much. Care of, he's, you got to, he's taking care of his boys. You could look at it that way, or you could just be like, this is douchey. Well, here's the but thing. But they they're, all seem like they're good, supportive people. They are to a fault, because let me tell you something. If you had real homies, and I said that to one of the homies, one of the other homies would probably hit me. It wouldn't take him to hit me. One of yeah. the other ones would hit me and be like, you out of, you're out of line. You're out of pocket. Once you punch the boss. Well, okay, hold on. We'll go back to that for just a second because there was one person that crossed that line. You're right. One person crossed that line and that was the guy. Oh God, I don't even know if they said his name. No, but where he, he was the one that did the extortion him. thing. Yeah, the blackmailing thing about the sex video. And um, all of his friends, I, I guess, I mean, they stuck with Kevin Hart, but- They totally you know, you, did. You don't really- Turn against the gravy train. Also, you—that was a crime. So, by the way, guys, if you hear my stomach growling, my stomach. Steve will vouch for me. I got some crazy ass noises that come out of my stomach Gee, sometimes. Never like that though. Like crazy right now. So I'm it, super hungry. So it's sorry about never that. been like that one day that you sent me the. I should play that sometimes. Holy <laughs> crap! Because I was like, it sounds like something's growling, and my thing was like, I think there's something living in your stomach. I think it's about to bust an alien G. Because it was insane. Okay, let me tell you what happened, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> so, I do have that recording. I should play it. So Dan one day said, I'm not feeling well. Over the, You know, I was texting him. He's like, I'm not feeling well. And I was like, yeah, you know, stomach problems. What are you going to do? He put his phone on his stomach <laughs> and recorded a voice memo and sent it to me. And my <laughs> stomach started hurting. I was like... Oh my God! It didn't sound real. It was I'm like, gonna play it. Okay, go. It, this is gross, and it's just coming off of my phone. But no, tell okay, tell them exactly what they're about to hear. Like, what did you do to record this? <laughs> I'm sitting. I'm lying down on the couch. So you're gonna hear. <laughs> I think it's I don't know, like MSNBC or something on the background. But I'm just lying there, and I'm talking to Steve, and I wasn't feeling well. I had I'd gotten sick twice in a month. And then all of a sudden I had this like GI thing and it was really scaring me because everything that I ate, my stomach would blow it up. I would vomit, uh, you know, other things that happened in the GI tract. And it really freaked me out. I'm feeling better now. This the growling that I'm talking about right now is just because I'm super hungry. But this was happening nonstop for about a week straight. So let me just play this for you real quick. Hold on. <laughs> oh my god. All right, I'm done. I've grossed myself Dude. out and I can't play it anymore. I have never had my my stomach, my my bowels, whatever what have you make noises like that. It was crazy. I felt like there was something living in my stomach. It was nuts. But yeah, I, you know what? I just started playing it. And like, I, I didn't even get to the grossest ones, but I'm like, I can't play this. This is just too disgusting. Here's the thing. I, when you were, when I was at work, I pushed play and was walking and I stopped walking. I said, oh my God, that sounds horrific. 
And you were laid up, dude. You were laid up for how many days? Like a week. <laughs> dude. <laughs> that is so gross, dude. It's horrible. I shouldn't laugh at this, but my stomach was doing this 24-7 for several days. Yeah, I don't know. I feel better now. I, I, I would hope so. I was really thinking that I was going to have to check myself. I was t- trying to play it off, but I'm thinking I might need to go to the hospital. Like there's something I was thinking because I was should've. doubled over in pain. And uh, yeah, it was bad, but I, I feel better now. That's those sounds that you're hearing. If I if I <laughs> if I canceled out on a podcast, anyone, that's why part of it anyway. So I know while we've been talking, we actually normally we do the contact info way at the top of the show. And Dan has been itching to get to it. So, Dan, why don't you tell people how we can get a, they can get in touch with us? I took Benadryl this morning, sir. I got 99 problems and an itch ain't one. Oh, my God. I know. Dad jokes. All right, sure. <sighs> oh, you're just mad because you didn't think of the stupid it's dad true. joke. Yeah, no, you're right. You're totally <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some contact information for you right here. Here we oh. go. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to Heroes of Noise, episode 93. Today is January 3rd, 2020. So if you get this a week later, you know I've been slacking. You want to get a hold of the show? Sure you do. This is how you do it. Contact your friends, Heroes of Noise, at heroesofnoisepodcast at gmail.com. That is heroesofnoisepodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter, at Heroes of Noise, at Dan Q Public. That's me. I'm sort of famous right now. I got a buddy, Zach Braff. You may want to join up and have some fun. Steve Hudson, at S-E underscore Hudson Music. You can reach out to us. And check out everything that we have to offer at www.heroesofnoise.com. There you can email, voicemail. I want to emphasize voicemail because we miss you. We haven't heard a lot from you guys. We want to hear your lovely voices. So please stop by this week. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. Yes, I'm talking to you. No, not you. You. That's right. Subscribe to our show. You can guess wherever podcasts are heard pretty much. You know, that's how that's how we do things. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeart, Radio, Spotify, Pandora, what have you. We're all there. And of course, go down to the bottom of the page. For now, the bottom of the page. And check out the Pods of Justice section. Those are our friends. They have podcasts too, and they're great, and we want you to subscribe to them. Uh, incidentally, I'm going to put this out here. I'm putting my feelers out right now. Speaking of the website, do you build websites? Yes, you do. Okay, you. I want to talk to you. Hit me up. You can you can put a website on Heroes of Noise Podcast at gmail.com. You can put attention Dan, whatever. But I want to talk about because it's 2020 now. And you know, we need to we need to utilize this Patreon fund that we have. So we want to create the website of websites. Can you do it? Are you up for the task? Hit me up and let's make this happen within the next. Let's do it today. You want to do it today? Hit me up. All right? Good. Other than that, speaking of Patreon, we're about to blow this shit up. It's going to be a big year for us. We've got tons coming towards you. Listen, you like quizzes? We're going to have quizzes. You like interviews? We'll probably do an interview or two. You like just just, just dumbness where we're talking about like zombie sex and stuff like that? That's the place to go. But if you want a little bit more from us, go over. Ooh, I don't think we've ever made this far. I don't think I ever recall like a... Right, Steve? I don't think we've actually gone this far where it looped. So I'm going to continue on. Yeah. We, <laughs> we want to make sure that we give you guys the, the you know, the most bang for your buck. We want to do the best Patreon job that we can. So if you have suggestions for us, you have things that you want to see or hear from us, and I say see because there is a video aspect to it too, hit us up and let us know. That is what I ask of you. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2020. We're going to get through this one. I'm going to turn it back to my man, Steve Hudson. Here we go. It was a long one. You've that's what she said. You I know I set you up for that one. Yeah. 
you have watched a few things because you told me like I haven't watched anything. I haven't got the chance to watch anything. And then you rattled off a few movies. I'm like, I would like to hear about those movies. Well, one of them you've watched. Which one? Jocko. You want to talk about Jocko? Sure. Let's talk about Jocko, man, because you talk about it because I've talked endlessly about Jocko. You've talked about Jocko, but we're talking about Jocko the documentary. I think, I don't know, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure you did bring it up. And I want to say you said it sort of in passing. Like, hey, I watched Jocko, you should check it out. But now I've seen it. I don't know why I haven't watched this thing. And I'm going to be the first to tell you that I I think that I really have underappreciated Jocko Pistorius, man. Like, I am so impressed with this guy after watching this, and it's a shame. It's a shame that he's gone. It's 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 actually a very sad story. This whole thing, and, and yes. it doesn't mean that I'm not trying to just discourage anyone from watching this. But um, yeah, Jaco Pistorius played for Weather Report. Uh, he's played for Joni Mitchell. He was a self proclaimed best bass player in the world, and this is as of like what 1974 or something like that. And I'm gonna have to say I agree with him because not knowing anything about him. And then watching this, but hearing all these other bass players throughout the years, you can completely hear where the influence comes from. And, you know, they talk about that. They give him props on that. There's Flea that's on there. Um, Robert Trujillo from Metallica is the one that actually produced this. And, and I don't know if he directed it, but he produced this. And he does a very good job with it. Like, it's, it's, it's one of the more entertaining music documentaries that I've seen in a very long time. But like I said, it's got a little bit of a sad ending. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, he ended up becoming bipolar in his later years in life. And, and we're talking like early thirties. Like it wasn't, you know, he, he did not live very long, but you'll notice there's a reserved guy that is just so into his music, super confident and could pretty much play with anyone he wanted to. Like he was so good. He would go onto the scene and just go, I want you, 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 and you, and they would all come running. And they were like, this, this cat had, you know, confidence. He's a little bit arrogant, but he could back up what he's saying. And he could, I don't know if this is true or not, Steve. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he was the first bass player to take the frets off of his hand bass, right? His handheld bass as opposed to his Yeah, he bass. made it a fretless, yeah. And made it a fretless bass. And that sound is just like, that's Jocko. Yes, he created the Jocko sound. He was able to do full melodies with just harmonics oh, when he dude, did this. Dude. And he he was like a wizard, man. It was like watching some like a caveman watching somebody produce fire when I was watching this. It was amazing. I had no idea the skill that this guy had. I've heard everyone talk about it. I've heard Steve talk about it in length for years. And I just haven't had a chance to really sit down and watch this here. And now I'm kind of fully in. Like I want to dive into the Jocko Pistorius experience. I kind of want to watch it again just because there's this one part where he was playing with Weather Report, and I'm sorry I don't have the names handy, but it was like the lead, the lead guy, the lead keyboard player, the head of Weather Report. Joe Zawinul, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. They seem to have a little bit of a, uh, would you call it a rivalry? Well, yeah, he's a, he's, I mean, when you have two massive personalities, and no matter how, like, oh, I'm very, uh, you know, my ego isn't huge. When you're the leader of Weather Report and people come to hear your bass player and not you anymore, yeah, yeah, it's gonna get on your nerves. But Jocko put on such a clinic on how to do bass solos that he would he put on a freaking clinic, and he was a he was a consummate performer with that bass, dude. And so yeah, Joe Zawinul, yeah, he was just like this dude is a douche, but he was the best. There's this one part where they're playing live and someone's talking about it and they're saying like, you could actually see an argument going on musically with these guys. They were just going toe to toe musically. 
And it's pretty impressive what you see when they're, you know, and hear when they're doing this part. It's just uh, like my jaw was dropped the entire time. And I'm not speaking in hyperbole. Like this dude is a, was, I should say, a fucking wizard. He was a but wizard. when you have people like Bootsy Collins and Miles Davis <laughs> and Flea giving you props for your originality and, and your innovation, that is something to be said. Yeah. And if you're a fan of music, I highly recommend you watch this. You can, not, you can actually watch it right now on Hulu. Maybe you're not a fan of music, but you just like documentaries. Jocko is the one to watch. I, it's the best documentary that I've seen in a while. That said, haven't been watching a lot of documentaries, but I was fully engaged the entire time. And, uh, you know, again, Steve has talked about this a lot. We've had emails about it. We've had voicemails about it. I know Adam has talked about, Adam Templeman has talked about Jocko. Um, of course, Johnny Bucks has talked about Jocko, but... I'm sort of in love with his music right now and I'm diving in head first and I just want to take it all in, man, because uh, <laughs> my eyes have been open, bro. I just didn't know. Well, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, any time that yeah. I can gain some kind of knowledge like that where because, you know, I love music yeah. and, you know, I love to go in depth like that, much like you do. So when I find something that's just so intriguing and someone that's so impressive, yeah, I kind of wanted to study it now. So color me late to the scene. I'm all about Jacob Pistorius now, man. It's a fantastic documentary. Yeah, he's, and you know, you could say, like, when Miles Davis makes a song called Jocko after he passes away, by itself, yeah. it's mm-hmm. saying a lot. And then also Herbie Hancock being the keyboardist on your first album. Yeah, like I said, he could pick album. whoever the hell he wanted to. Because Herbie was just like, this dude is the truth. Like, he didn't know if anyone else knew this, but this kid is the truth. And when you could introduce yourself to Joe, was I was like, who, who, uh, who are you? He's like, I'm the best bass player in the world. Straight up. Come on, dog. Yeah. And then he's like, then he plugged in his bass and he was the best bass player in the world. He's like, I'm the best bass player and this is why. In and no one could argue wor- it. No one could, dude. There would be no, I'm not saying he wouldn't exist, but there would be no flea sound, no. in my opinion, without Jocko. There would no. be no less Claypool sound without Jocko because they're directly pulling from his influence. Totally. And, the, and, and it's not just like flea and, like I said, you got flea saying he's dope. But yeah. then you got the brothers like Bootsy being like, no, 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 no. You guys don't understand. Jocko was the truth, baby. Jocko was the truth. He was it. People would go to watch him, Marcus Miller, watching him be like, dude, the guy was just what he could do. And remember, he was crazy. Not crazy. He had mental issues and then would be able to just pick up his bass and still play after not playing for ages. He could just pick it up and he's right back where he was. But he was just in the only and the hard thing is the only person he was in competition with was himself. Who do you Yeah, he was just always trying to top himself. Oh, that's it. Because who is better than you? No one. He could play any style. <laughs> Anything, dude. Anything. You just put him in there. He didn't need to like study the music. He could, you could put him in a metal band. He would be able to play in a metal Perfect. band, no problem. You could, I mean, he made, and don't get me wrong, if you like Joni Mitchell, more power to you. And she's not my cup of tea, but he made Joni Mitchell sound good. And I, what, here's what I respect about, respect about Joni Mitchell, because um, I'm into Joni Mitchell. And she's like, okay. he, she's like, uh, she heard him and knew that's what we're missing. That's what we're missing. I'm like, that takes an ear because at the time, no one knew. You know, you weren't that in-depth with what Jocko was. Now we have the internet and stuff. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's who. he. But obviously, Jocko couldn't stay in one place for too long. So, no. you know, he'd, he'd do this and do that and do this. But Weather Report is what got him. Like, there's a there's a song called Havana on Weather Report's album 
that heavy weather that it's such a good solo that people think that he stitched it together. They're like, there's no way he did that. And it's like, but you got to understand who's doing it, though. It's Jaco Pastorius. So, yeah, he did it. It's just like, how did he do it? Who knows? But he's that good. And so, yeah, I'm glad you watched the documentary, man, because, I mean, when you get into Jocko, I mean, even, you know, any bass player you hear when or that, you know, like when you're like, who's the best player of all time? And you say Jocko, no one's going to be like, no, he isn't. They're going to be like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. And even if they like someone else, they're going to be like, I mean, you can't argue that. Yeah, Jocko. Yeah, of course. You know, you got Victor Wooten talking about him, Yeah, you know, uh, and he's like, yeah. And then they got the base of doom. They found the base of doom. Oh, that part was really interesting. That was, was crazy. Trio. Was it the trio of doom or something like that? The, well, the actual base that, yeah, the base that Draco owned, they called it the base of doom. And they found Jocko's base. Like his original base. Yeah. And it's weird when you see someone, because there's a video online of them playing it. And he's like, it's just eerie because you're playing his and if you look up on and you could also buy a jocko distress bass that looks jacked up like his online it's like twenty five hundred dollars though and it's a fretless jocko bass and it's like dude but you it doesn't matter what kind of bass you play if i gave jocko my cheap ibanez bass he would make it sound like the best play bass of all time because he it's not what the bass was it's who's behind it he was behind it he was just incredible, dude. I really wish I could imitate the part that I was talking about, um, that I'm about to talk about, where there's this bass player, and he was basically just saying, you would ask Jocko, like a normal bass player will play like, but Jocko's like, like there was just this, this yeah. certain sound that he did that no one could emulate. He, and, he, yes. And the thing is, is that, you know, there are a ton of great bass players now that everyone can just geek out on. But again, this was happening in the 70s when these people weren't around. He was creating these sounds. These were all fresh new sounds that no one had ever heard before. That's what really impressed me the most about this. Like Gail, who loves documentaries, but sometimes really could give a shit about the artists themselves. And she was fully into this documentary. It was just, it's just so good. But it's also sad because, you know, you, you see this, this, um, kind of a, I'm definitely unique kid, but, you know, he was a bit of a loner. He, he kind of just, operated on his own for the most part. He had relationships, he had kids and everything like that, but he sort of parallel played with a lot of people until it was time to do music. And then he becomes this massive success. And, you know, with success, a little bit of arrogance comes on. And then when he goes bipolar towards the end, his mouth was saying things that it was just too much for a lot of people. You know what I mean? And you can see this happening. You can see this downward spiral happening in this documentary. And just to the point where, you know, at the end of it, spoilers, if you don't know, he was in a bar. I'm assuming he was mouthing off, but he was beaten into a coma and he he ultimately died from that, you know, but what a sad story. They were showing this guy that was playing in front of 20,000 people, people that have played with him before and appreciate and know exactly what he's about. They find him just on some street corner playing little cover songs and stuff like that because he's just not with him. And they don't think it's him. They're like, yeah, they don't think it's him. It's yeah. not him. There's no yeah. way that this is Jocko. Yeah. It was a heartbreaking story, man, but it's so good to watch. So I highly recommend you guys watch this one. Oh, for sure, dude. And 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 like you like you said, there's gonna be hearing the passion with which other people talk about him in the movie, you're just of all different styles of bass. All different bass players come in unified in one agreement that we had a God among men. Walk the earth. 
wielding this axe that no one could top. That's insane. It makes you wonder, like, what's left to do on the base that hasn't been done now? You know what I mean? I'm sure there's a lot, but yeah. But when's the next Jaco Pastorius exactly. happening? Well, it's just Whatever. like whatever. Will we see it in our lifetime? I don't know. It's just like people that that do big band stuff. When you have one, you know, when you talk about Ellington and Count Basie and people from back in the day, and then you start, you know, orchestrating big bands, there's nothing you can do that didn't come from that. They kind of built something that you can build on top of. Everything you're doing kind of leads back to them. Everything people do in bass now, that are if someone's really, really good at the bass, like a solo bass player, it leads to him. They're like, well, yeah, no one thought you could be a solo bass player until he did this. You know, people thought it was a guitar. They're like, he can't be doing Donna Lee. They're like, that's not a bass doing that. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> Craziest part about it, there was no formal training. It's all self-taught. All, and the, here's the hard, that's, this is why I would imagine going crazy. So he picks up the drums. He's good at it. Breaks his arm or hand. So he has to do bass. Great, becomes the best bass player. Later on, decides to start a big band. Scores a big band and does an amazing job scoring the big band. And then you try to mix that with a family. The family's not going to give you the high. You know, he's like, it's not doing anything for me. Right. And it sucks because he's just, he can't be fulfilled in just one thing. And that, and I'm sure, because in the beginning you see him smiling. He's trying to get fulfillment out of his wife and, or his girlfriend and children. He's trying to get it from it, but it's not happening. It, he, you kind of smile and go, and there's people nowadays that smile and go along with the punches for their whole life. Jocko couldn't. He just left and did his music. Amazing, man. Amazing yeah, documentary. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah, but good job. Shout out Robert Trujillo. It wouldn't have gotten done. Yeah. Uh, written by Paul Marchand and Robert Trujillo, who did an excellent job with this. Fantastic. This is one of the better documentaries that I've seen in a long time. And uh, I always rate my documentaries a little bit different than I rate the movies. Yes. So like, you know, like motion picture, you know what I'm saying? Like yes. a regular movie. So uh, I'll go ahead and rate this one, man. I think I'm going to, because I enjoyed it so much, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 4.5 out of five fretless bases. There so, so good. There it is. I don't know. I don't remember what you rated it, but I, I'm sure it's super high. It's going to be five out of five. And it's, uh, again, uh, uh, it was one of the first, and the, here's the sad thing about the documentary. I knew what happened at the end and I still cried, but I knew what happened at the end. And I read something that said, when we unplugged him, his heartbeat went in perfect 4-4 time until it went. Until it oh, my died. God. Did it? <laughs> That's so crazy. And I just I just was like, oh, Jesus. It's, what if his heart went? And that's the thing. His thing, and that's the normal. Okay, this is the last time I'm going to say it. Like, people would be like, if there was a thing going, they'd be like, do 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 Jocko would be like, he did that stuff. Like those little percussive things said, oh, he does that because he was a he was a drummer first. So instead of going do 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 he would like do 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 like he had a oh I have to have rhythm on this thing. And I'm like, oh, he brought drums to the bass. And you saw him when he was performing live. How he would clap to himself for a while. Yes. And like, like get into that. it. He'll be like, get into Like he'd want the people to be like, give me something. 
and they start clapping and he gets into his all his own and he'd have it yeah. loop and he'd like he'd be clapping i'm like he is in his own world right now he doesn't recognize anything happening outside of this he is in his own ball of and i'm like dude how beautiful is that you're watching beauty on stage was he? I mean, I I wanted to ask you. I don't know if you know this or not. Was he the first person to do that with a delay and then yeah, just leaping? I always was wondering that because I had never seen it. Here's what I will say: He's the first to make the bass a solo with that, like him just jamming and doing. Because no, everyone thought you're supposed to do it with a guitar, right? For those of you who have never heard this, I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's four minutes long. But let me just let me just show you what we're talking. It's about. probably around the minute and a half mark yeah i'm skipping here we go what bass sounds like that dan none <laughs> bunch now. and none. here's the thing now you'll be able to hear something you'll be like that's jocko guaranteed if i could like, compare anyone jocko. to it right now just off the top of my head i would say less claypool but clearly he got this from jocko pastorius here i'm gonna go to the loop Here we go. There's the first loop. Second loop. He's just grooving too. You know what I just realized? Oh, by the way, hear the Hendrix in there? Oh, yeah. Listen. Who is messing with that man? Yeah, and this isn't going to give it justice. Like, if you really want to see this, because I don't think you're going to truly get it off of me playing it on this show, but check out this documentary. That little... I mean, gosh, and how he he grooves over the top of it in these like this weird off. He's he was a god among men, dude. He was it was just insane. You know, what's crazy. These documentaries sometimes will make me there's not one where and I know that I could never, ever, ever come close to this, but there's not many documentaries that are music documentaries where it makes me want to pick up an instrument and give it a shot. This one made me want to go out and buy a bass the next day. Like, oh, dude, just... dude, that's well, that's why I got it. I remember the first. Well, the first obviously other than Stevie, because Nathan Watts with a do 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 do. I remember I wanted to learn how to play. But Stevie does so much key key bass that I was like, I'll just play bass on the keys. But then I heard Jocko and everyone told me that is a bad thing to do. And like, that's not someone you should be listening to as a beginner because it's just going to get you frustrated yeah you're just gonna want to give up oh no question and it almost made me give up but it kept me into it enough i'm nowhere near that but like uh hearing people like johnny bucks uh you know and here and in in hearing stuff that he does and being like you know i'll never be that good but how johnny bucks can kind of break it down for me it, it, it makes things a lot easier but yeah there is no there's no way that jocko could break things down for you because he'd just be like I don't know how to make you a god. 
I don't know. If I did, I would tell you how to do it. But I don't know how to make you where I'm at. But uh, yeah, dude, it's just, and you know what? Pick up an instrument. Even if you go out and buy it, just pick it up, do something. I mean, like, you never know what it's the only, I bought a guitar because of Paul McCartney. He was the one that made me buy a guitar, and then it turned into James Taylor. But at first, it was just Paul McCartney. You know, it's funny. I bought my first drum set because of Lars Ulrich, and I don't think that would happen. <laughs> you do not like Lars Ulrich, dude. I don't like his drum style. I don't no, understand I don't. that. He doesn't I seem just terrible heard to me. Lars Ulrich play very fast, and I was like, this is something that I would like to do. And then I'm not going to knock on Lars Ulrich. It's just, he's just not my cup of tea. But yes, the first drum set I bought was based That's on so the funny. album Master of Puppets, you know? Yeah. Oh, one thing that I find very interesting about this documentary that, I, that I'll uh, share with you real quick. So, you know, he starts off, it's in the 70s, early mm-hmm. 70s, and it works its way up into like the early 80s. And this is when you're starting to get like um, Ozzy Osbourne and Ronnie James Dio doing solo stuff. So what they were saying was is that the weather report shows changed drastically because once Jaco Pistorius got onto the scene and got into the uh got on like Metalhead's radar basically they would they would go to like an Aussie show and then immediately go over and watch a weather report show and they noticed this huge thing I would imagine that I would liken that to say Wu-Tang Clan doing their thing and then Rage Against the Machine, you know, mixing it up with them. And suddenly you've just got this whole new crowd of people. They're, they're very dissimilar. But at the same time, it was that it was that it was like a movement, like literally like they moved from <laughs> they moved from an Aussie show and they would all go in and they would pack this place up and watch weather report shows. And they were all there for for Jocko. And I can what's that guy's name again? The keyboard player? Uh, Joe Zomino. Yeah, I could imagine him just going crazy because of that. It's, it's just, so, just yes. ego just crushed. Like I remember Sting saying, um, he said something like, uh, "Like when we're talking about bass guitar, Jocko invented everything. We're just following in his path." Pretty and much. that's Sting. He's like, "No, he he did it all. We're just now just doing what he did and building on that." And I remember him talking about conversation. Like these guys had conversations with him and was able to kind of. Because you just don't, I think a lot of musicians back then, like you said, when groups of people would leave their rock concerts and go see Jocko, it's because they understood we are witnessing something we've never witnessed before. Yeah, we may never see this again. We ever see this any, we won't, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> we won't see Spoilers, like, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. They did not. And I love that. I think one of the most touching things, you know, Marcus Miller, and I just loved how uh, Flea waxed so poetic on him. You know, he really, like, he's a student of Jocko. Yeah, you felt the love when he's talking. Oh, dude. And you hear it, though. You hear when, uh, like, on uh, All Around the World, that boot, uh, uh, boo, boo, uh, uh, that's all. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, he's a student of Jocko. Yeah. That's who he listened to. But yeah, five out of five. If you have a chance, Watch it. I'm mad that I didn't see it in the theater. I should have. I didn't even know it was playing in the theater. I really wish I would have checked I, it, that out. Yeah. I think it was in Visalia. Ah, I got to pay more attention but to that stuff him. now because it's it's just so good. I should have watched it long ago. I should have watched it when you talked about it the first time, man. And for whatever reason, I didn't. But yeah. And also, you know, and, and again, more props to uh, I would have never thought. Trahil. And the thing is, as soon as he joined Metallica, like he was talking about it back then. Saying, I want to do a documentary on Jacob Stories. Like he used his clout and actually accomplished it. That's crazy. Easy to do when you're in that band. 
That's true, <laughs> but the fact that he was like, I'm going to make this happen because people need to know about this man. And uh, it's, it's beautiful. You know, not to sound silly, but I feel like I'm better for watching this now. Like, I, there was just so much I didn't know, and it just makes me, it opens up this new thirst for me, you know what I mean? And I just want to kind of, like, consume everything now. So Totally. And I think that's what happened, like, nowadays uh, for Maj, uh, you know, like him, him with uh, Freddie Mercury. He's just, um, and it's a tie for him. Like sometimes he'll see Michael and be like, okay, I've never seen anything like that before. But oftentimes he's like, Freddie Mercury did stuff on stage I've never witnessed before. He controlled a crowd unlike anything. And for me, I was so, you know, I've gotten used to him, but I forgot, you know, Maj diving in. I'm like, oh, that's right. The newness of Freddie Mercury and how he changed the game is special. It's a special thing. So I was like, yeah, people that are like, now you're going to be diving into Jocko and just realizing uh, like, wow, this guy, you're going to be able to like, when you're hearing something, you're going to be able to be like, is that Jocko playing? And you'll look at the liner notes and be like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Because no, there's no one that plays so, like him. Yeah, exactly. You know it's saying? so distinctive that you can totally pick it out. You're right. You'll be like, oh, that's Jocko playing. No, no question. And uh, so, yeah, check it out. I would say um, uh, artists, any really good artistic documentary just watch it even it's if it's something i'm watching a documentary on beekeeping beekeeping and people that are really amazing at it even that's interesting because someone's amazing at something everybody's got to be good at something yes and these people like i'm like oh they must not be getting stung wrong <laughs> wrong they just have their bare hands going into these be- <laughs> it's it going into these things i'm like oh these are people that are willing to sacrifice for greatness so anything anything that you find that someone's willing to sacrifice to be the best thing that has ever walked the planet. Just, just watch it. For sure. That's Jocko. That's anything. Just watch the documentary of someone incredible at something. And, you know, on that note, of course, if there's anyone out there that wants to start taking some documentary footage of us now, just understand we haven't taken yeah. our final form yet. So you may want to get no. in on the ground floor because it's going to be big. I'm just letting you know. Well, here's the thing. Um, I think you, it's always a good time to start, you know, Mm -hmm. with us because greatness is everywhere. We're very approachable. We We love talking to you. Dan, not so much. Yeah, no. You want to talk to Steve. If you want, if you want to have something done quickly, you got to talk to Steve. But. (laughs) Oh yeah. 30 seconds. (laughs) Oh, see, I wouldn't even go in there, but. (laughs) No, it's great. You guys, seriously, uh, watch it. Hopefully you're in the mood to really watch something like that. Don't just watch it on our recommendation. Watch it when you're ready to watch it because it's going to be that much better. But I'm Steve, if you don't mind, I know we're going to have to get out of here pretty quickly. I just have a couple of quick hits that I wanted to talk about. Go for it. Yeah. So, guys, speaking of Hulu, I watched something that I I didn't even know existed. It just popped up and I was like, I'm going to check this out because it seemed like a cool concept. And what I'm talking about is live in front of a studio audience. Steve, I told you about this. Did you happen to check it out at all? I accidentally tripped up on it at the gym where I was like, is that good times? Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, no, this is not. And then I was like, wait, it is. Yeah. I said, oh, they're doing it live. Right. And so they were playing it at the gym. Yeah, what this is, is uh, they take these old 70s shows. In this case, it's going to be Good Times, All in the Family, and the Jeffersons. Those are the only ones they have out right now. And they put, you know, modern actors in there, pretty famous people, actually. And they just do it word for word. They don't cut anything. They don't make it politically correct for this time. They take everything. And, you know, some of it's... It's really crazy how some of this stuff is still happening and still rings true and how much a lot of it has changed. But 
they do a really good job with this. And and there's something about these old shows. I was telling Gail about this. There's just something about these old shows that are, it's very calming to me. Like I watched one late at night and it was just so calming to me that I actually fell asleep watching it. But that's not a, a knock against it. It's just actually to me, that's a compliment. But Norman Lear was the person that put these shows out back in the 70s. And he shows up with Jimmy Kimmel just to co-host and do a quick intro and then they let it go. You know, it's it's live in front of a studio audience, literally. But let me just give you an idea of some of the people that are in this here. You got John Amos, who was he plays. Uh, he was actually in Good Times. He shows up and he plays the role of Fred Davis, who in that in the particular episode is running for office. Um, Martin Short shows up. Uh, Janae, is it Janae Dubois or Janet? Uh, Janet is it Janet okay? The, the, she has a little uh, apostrophe in there. It jacks me up. It might be Janae then. Maybe she changed it to Janae. We always called it Janet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I think it's Janae. Uh, Bernadette Stannis. Jimmy Walker shows up because you know. Um, Viola Davis. If you watched Good Times, Viola Davis plays Florida. That's saying something, man. That's like she's no slouch, you know. Um, no. Tiffany Haddish plays Walona. Asante Black plays Michael. Uh, Karina Fox plays Thelma. Jay Farrow plays JJ. Dynamite JJ. Uh, Jarell Jerome, who you may remember from When They See Us on Netflix, shows up. And he plays the guy that um, John Amos is running against named Jimmy Pearson. That episode, I'm going to be honest with you, it was okay. Like, if I can group... The series, I'm going to say that honestly, the best one, and I'll get to why, really turns out to be freaking uh, all in the family. And I'll tell you why. It's, it really comes down to the cast. But the Jeffersons is next. And uh, George Jefferson is played by Jamie Foxx. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and then they just have original cast members. Jesse Eisenberg shows up in uh, All in the Family. Kevin Bacon shows up. Patti LaBelle, uh, she sings, I think it's the uh, theme to Good Times. Jennifer Hudson does the theme to the freaking Jeffersons and she nails it, man. And I just love the way they, I loved everything about this. Honestly, if you're into old school shows like that and you want to check it out, I think they do it super tastefully, but let's get back real quick. Speaking of tastefully, let's get back to um, all in the family for just a second. So all in the family, if you're not familiar with the show and I'm not going to give you a full on rundown, but basically it's about a guy named Archie Bunker and his family and Archie Bunker thinks he's the best guy ever. He does not know. He's a huge bigot basically, but he doesn't know he's a bigot and he, and it's his family. He's like the, uh, the conservative one of the bunch. And that's saying, you know, very little about it, but his whole family is a bunch of liberal people. And it's just how they sort of deal with the family dynamic, having this guy in there and, you know, him learning from them and them sometimes learning from him, which is very rare, but he was played by Carol O'Connor who did a fantastic job back in the day. But now they have Woody Harrelson playing Archie and they have Marissa Tomei playing Edith, who was his wife. And dude, they do such a great job on this show. Like Marissa Torme kills it as Edith, but Woody Harrelson, I'm going to say it. He's better than Carol O'Connor's Archie Bunker, man. It's fantastic. He does. And I, I, maybe I'm biased because I love Woody Harrelson so much, but these episodes were just great. And I love the way that they did. I love that they didn't pull punches. I love that they, they just kept everything the same and they allow a new generation of people to kind of check that out for themselves. I'm not, that's all I'm really going to say about it. I highly recommend you guys check this out. There are three episodes out right now. They're all on Hulu and you should do yourself a favor and check it. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to give this, I don't even have anything like, you know, clever to say about it, but I'm just going to give it a four out of five. I really liked it a lot. I'm looking on IMDB right now to see if there's anything up and coming. And it says there's a special for 2020 and that's it. So it's not going to take you long to blast through these, but listen to your old buddy, Dan, check it out. Let me know what you think. Nice. What else you got? And then I did something, Steve, that I wasn't really preparing. Like, 
I didn't realize I was going to do this. Um, I went and saw a movie that I never thought I would go see because I'm running out of movies to watch. And I'm actually really glad I did. This movie's been done, I think, at least three times now. This is the latest version. And the other night, I took Gail to see Little Women. Any interest in seeing this movie at all? Uh, yeah, I'm going to watch it eventually, for sure. For sure. It's done by Greta Gerwig, who actually did Lady Bird. And it's got Sir Ronan in it as well. So I think she knows that she's got gold with Sir Ronan. She does fantastic in this. It's the story of Joe March. She reflects back and forth on her life, telling the beloved story of the March sisters, four young women, each determined to live their own life. Um, it also has, uh, let me just give you the cast real quick. So Sir Ronan is Joe March, Emma Watson as Meg March, Florence Pugh, who's kind of t- like 2019 was her year. If you count, let's see, Fighting With My Family, if you go Midsummer, uh, Little Women, she, she's kind of everywhere right now. And just to tie it all together, she's dating Zach Braff, my buddy, who's now retweeting me. I just thought I'd point that out. And then uh, Eliza Scanlon as well, who you might remember from Sharp Objects. Uh, and she's Beth March. Laura Dern's in this as the mom, uh, Marmy March. Timothy Salome as Theodore, Teddy, Laurie, Lawrence. And it's, the cast kind of just goes on and on, man. It's, it's Meryl Streep. You can't go wrong with Meryl Streep. But enough about the cast. So... I, I really enjoyed this movie, man. I didn't think I was going to like dig it as much as I did, but it's just so well acted. I couldn't tell you how true it is to the other stories or anything, you know, but in other words, like, you know, everyone's going to have their own take on it. But from what I understand, it's pretty close to that. And the acting's incredible. The one thing that I will say about it is that it's a little confusing. It was confusing for me because the timelines jump back and forth. I'm led to believe because it's the only time I saw where it said seven years later in the movie. So I'm thinking it's, going back and forth seven years, but it just tells this tale of the dynamics of this family and how Joe March, who is the most responsible of the bunch. And she's trying to make something of herself. She's a writer and she's a writer in the time where, you know, men aren't digging women. Basically she goes in and she tries to sell this article about a woman, a story about a woman. And the guy's like, Oh, is it about a woman? All right. Well, you know, we don't pay much for that, but if you're going to do this story about a woman, just make sure she gets married or dies at the end. And I don't really care either way. Like they just didn't have a lot of respect. So it's her battling all that and trying to become an independent writer while, you know, her, her sister Meg is marrying someone that, because back then you have to understand that if you were a woman and you weren't marrying into wealth, you really weren't thought of as much. And so you sort of had to do these things, you know, with the knowledge of knowing that you're pretty much giving up your identity. If you were to get divorced, the children are automatically the man's like, it was just, it was a man's world, you know? And, but, uh, so, you know, and, and if you didn't marry into wealth, your life is going to be considerably harder. Uh, Florence Pugh, who plays Amy, she's sort of like the, I don't know if I'd call her like the oddball of the bunch, but she was the one that seemed to struggle with her identity the most. And she had <laughs> her aunt March, who was Meryl Streep, who was like, you're, you're my last hope because all these other ones are doing some really stupid shit. And that's sort of her story arc. And she has a lot to do with the, like with the love arc in this too. And then Eliza Scanlon who plays Beth, there's this, whole, I'm not going to tell you the story, but basically she, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't make it all the way through. I'll tell you that much. And they, and they go back and forth and they, they do a very good job of that. Um, I almost want to watch this movie again because I don't, I don't know. It was weird. Like I went in with the, with the mind frame of, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this as much. And I ended up enjoying it. And I feel like there's some things that I missed because I was all in my head about it, but I really did enjoy this movie. So you also check it out. I'm going to go ahead and give little women. And I realize it's a short review, but we're, we're trying to wrap things up here, but I will go ahead and give little women a four out of five 
Uh, it's, it's really good. It's a very touching story and lots of sniffing going on in this movie. So if you've read the book, like I didn't cry or anything like that, but apparently if you've read the book, they're hitting those, those, uh, I'd like to talk to Melissa about this. Cause I know she's a big, uh, Melissa Slaughter. She's big on little women. I'd like to know what she thinks about this, but Melissa, do me a favor, email. We'd, I'd like to know what you think about this or hit me up on Twitter or something. But, um, yeah, if you read the books, apparently this movie's going to make you cry like crazy. Cause all I heard was sniffing throughout the entire movie. But four out of five, Little Women. Peep it out, ladies and gentlemen. I think you will enjoy. I'm very, you know, Greta. I I have never gotten into her directing. Did you? You didn't like Lady Bird? Not really. I liked Lady Bird. I didn't rave about Lady Bird. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, uh, it was just like, uh, yeah. I mean, to each their own. Uh, I get that. It 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 wasn't a bad movie, but I, I and I really enjoyed it. But I. I see what you're saying. I think that there is a certain crowd of people that are raving about this movie. And, and Oh, yeah. It's a very certain crowd. Well, I'm not even going to go there, man. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not going there. But please, please enlighten us, Steve. See, Steve, I was trying to get it through one episode. According to Favon, we've been getting a little risque lately. Oh, yeah, 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 man. You want to know something, Steve? Honestly, I, I almost feel for you sometimes. I think you let politics get in the way of your viewing a lot. It's every because it affects our lives. But you know what? Like, I wish I didn't have to do it, but it's you like, don't. oh. You really don't. I have <laughs> That's to. That's the thing, you don't. Well, the thing is, I can't, I, being who I am, can't ignore it. Because it actually affects my everyday life. Okay, well then, please enlighten me on what, it's what this dangerous. Uh, please tell me. It's like we're in... It's a, well, we're not going to get into politics, but it's actually, um, I can't walk around and not have politics on the front of my brain because when people see me, they see a certain thing automatically. I don't know what they see, but I have to keep that. What are the percentages of people that voted a certain way? I need to keep that in my mind before I just socialize with just everybody and go everywhere with everybody or talk everything with everyone. Fully disagree with you, but I respect your opinion. I yeah, think so I, I think that to. if one pigeonholes themselves into a situation where they're they're going from like they you, you can't if you walk this is just my opinion if you walk around in life with that and please pardon the expression but just for the sake of this conversation a bit of a chip on your shoulder I think it can be dangerous sometimes because what happens if you don't maybe not even dangerous but maybe maybe irresponsible like like what if you're missing out on a lot of good people that that may have a certain resemblance to certain people but maybe they're not that way you know what I mean? True. That means that during slavery, be like, hey, you with the chipper in your shoulder. Maybe not all people are after you. Just go out. Socialize with everyone. They'll be fine to you. Or you could be like, you know what? I need to be, I need to be cautious. And the thing is, but there is, the thing is the caution. It's not a chip on the shoulder when history has proven it. Correct. And again, please pardon that expression because I had a feeling it was going to sound like insensitive and I swear to God, I don't mean it that way. I'm, I, I don't, if you could give me a different way of putting that, maybe, maybe caution is the word I should use because I'm certainly not trying to insult you in by any means whatsoever. Oh, no, no, no. I know. But it's, it's one of those things where when you have seen history and lived a life and saw that most a lot of people voted for a person in office that right now that is absolutely against anything you stand for. And then it's like, but you have to ignore politics and have fun. You can't when it affects your life. When you can walk out and these things affect your life. I, I feel you, but I, I would you like to man? think that I could just put that shit down for a two-hour, oh, 90-minute movie to enjoy what the, what, yes. what the artists are yes. trying to, you know. You convey. probably can do that. And if you can, that's fantastic. 
I think that is great and it's lucky. But I don't have the I don't have the the um the ability to do that. I can't because it's like it's everywhere. It's you know, even when you're like say it takes people on Twitter to be like, hey, look, sometimes you have to um do things for your own sanity. Like I have to just be like, I need to just get it. That's why it's been reading, just getting into a comic book and losing myself. Because that's the thing that's going to lose myself. Seeing something on screen, uh, depending on what the movie is, I won't be able to lose myself in that movie. Because in order for myself, or in order for me to lose myself in a movie, it just has to. I have to be able to. Um, uh, you know what? I won't even say it because I don't have the right words, and it will just come out. Well, wrong. yeah, and like, mu- much like what I said, like I, I just want to sort of retract the whole chip on your shoulder thing because I. First of all, now that I'm thinking about it. It sounds insulting, and I swear, I think you know me well enough to know that I don't mean it that way. I was trying to find a certain phrase to work with it, and, and that's definitely not it. You know, I think caution, yeah. ca- being cautious would definitely be more of it. So, you know, let me publicly say I apologize. It's definitely not what I was Oh, no, no, for it. sure. But it's, it's, it's uh, and I think I wish there will come a time one day where I can probably just take my brain off, turn my brain off, and watch a movie yeah. that is by, that is that is a certain sort of movie and just be like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Sit down and just turn my brain off. Sure. But it's like right at this very moment. Well, things are very, very heated right institu- now. Yeah. yeah. Things in our very institutions are at, uh, they're, they're, they're it's things could go very bad right now. No, you're right. And, and everyone handles politics in a different way. Yes. You know? it, yes. I, I, I'm and not like, like I'm not going to be the guy that between the two of us that has a two hour long political conversation. You know what I'm saying? But I'd like to think that I, I try to keep myself educated. You know what I'm saying? But you're, yeah, I, I see what mm-hmm. you're saying. Everyone handles it a little bit differently. And I totally get that. But may I ask a question though? Just because yeah. I'm sort of confused and it sort of started this whole part of the conversation. What is it about Greta Gerwig that gets you? Uh, I don't think uh, it's just like um, homegirl that does girls. It's a... Uh, um, I think they, um, I've seen enough very, very white movies right now. I've seen them. I've done it. And right now I'm just not there where it's just a, a, a total ignoring of a certain. And you know what? The thing is, if someone was like, no, it's not that at all. It's super duper integrate. Then I'd go and see it. But anytime you have a certain movie where it's just like, well, no, they didn't really exist back then. But but they did. But how does Lady Bird play into this? Well, no, Lady Bird, I just didn't like. <laughs> it's just, it wasn't one of my things that I dug. Uh, that was just that situation. But it's like a conglomerate of a bunch of uh, certain directors that is just like, they don't really, um, or certain movies, not directors. Greta Gerwig was not a, I was just like, uh, there's a certain... If you can, if I could actually, because we'd have, this have to be a, a two hour conversation. Yeah, I, I can feel that. <laughs> this have to be, because I couldn't explain it in five minutes. But it's like, I am in the mode right now that I need integrated movies. I need integrated movies. I need movies that actually represent a thing. That like, uh, you know, I can't see girls and be like, we live in New York and there's nothing. There's no black folks in New York. None. And she obviously explained, well, this is my experience. 
Like, it's not, though. It's the experience that you chose to see. And it, that arch is where it's just like, we, oh, this is such a big conversation. It, it really is. But Because I, I, if I did a movie where it's just like, okay, this is, there's not going to be one white face on the screen. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to get that movie made. I just can't. Because they'll be like, oh, this isn't a representation. So what do you think the answer is? And I mean this from- There is- I mean this, I mean this from- Truthfully- an, Hold up real quick. I mean this okay. from, uh, as a person of color myself, I, I'm just curious because maybe I just don't think about these things as much as you do, for for instance. But like, what's the answer? How Like- how how do we fix this? You know what I'm saying? Let's say let's say an all Asian movie, for instance, or an all Hispanic movie. Like, what's where do we find that detente to where it's acceptable and everyone's okay with it? It's going to have to be people in the like they said. They're like, you have to have people in the because even if you have like say you have an all Asian movie, mm-hmm. but you don't have Asian people writing the movie, and so the actual things that they say aren't even representative. Of what they just put the faces on screen and be like, there you go. It starts with people at the top hiring people that look like everyone and having them create that. But it's not going to happen. That's not a most of the time, you're going to just hire the people that you know. And normally, the circle that you have looks a lot like yourself. That's what it is. You know what I'm saying? That's just what life is. And the only people, I'm going to be real with you. The only people, there are very few that even come close. And I got to give props to Marvel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to give props to Marvel. They gave my boy all this money to make Black Panther. And they didn't have him whitewash the movie. And that's Kevin Feige, bro. So from what I'm getting from you, you're saying don't don't just throw someone of color into a movie for the sake of going there is the person of color, right? Yeah. But don't you think that's happening quite a bit these days? I mean, I, I've sort of been on this kick and and God forbid you roll your eyes at me. I'm sorry. Not you. I'm just talking about anyone listening right now. But like, let's just take Kelly Marie Tran. They put her in a movie. And in my opinion, it's it's a bit of an inclusion. Like, I think it was a I think it was a swing and a miss. They put someone in for the sake of representation, but they didn't give them anything strong. Do you know what I mean? It's just I'm here. That's cool. And I see a lot of stuff well, going yeah. on online about like, well, they, she got robbed and she she should have she should have done more. But I just I'm of the opinion that if you're going to do this, then give these give people substance. You know what I'm saying? Give them some kind of a great story arc where it's actually worth doing for the in, instead of just putting people into the movie for the sake of, okay, we, we, we check the box. We have inclusion now. That's what I think. That's what I think is going on right now. And I feel like, in my opinion, I don't think Ryan Johnson did. I think that's a matter of total. It just depends on what you think of America, uh, Marie Tran. That's what that boils down to. It's what you think, how good you think she was. I thought she was really good. And so it, I, it was like, I love her character. But what was so good about her? I need to know this. What was so good about her? Please. First of all, they didn't say, Hey, this is a, uh, this was an Asian character. Worth, I never got the feeling that, oh, they're just throwing an Asian character in. I thought it was like she was a great inclusion on the team. She would say stuff that wasn't just like, this Asian character should know that. No, it was just she was part of the group. And I'm like, being that I didn't know the Star Wars history, I didn't understand the backlash she got. And that was because me coming in late, it just made sense to me. It wasn't, a, I didn't even think about inclusion. I was just like, oh, she seems like a cool character. But it was the people who love Star Wars that came against her. 
And I was like, that's what made me be like, I don't even want to be in that circle of people that love yeah, Star Wars. I'm not against Kelly Marie Tran. No, I know, I just but think that's that the what character's it, garbage. There's nothing. I thought there. it was good. That's what I'm saying. I think that was in. And here's the thing: when I really, for me, it's like I was in a a fantasy world, and they made me believe that she's part of this fantasy world. That was from that was my thing, and the things that she said, like the how she was just like, the guy was like, uh, uh homeboy, uh, was Finn was like, hey. Uh, they. This looks really fun, and she was the one that said, "Look closer." I was like, "Oh yeah, I didn't notice that." Yeah, there's people working for the people, and there's also people getting whipped. There's people. I thought she brought stuff, and I was like, "Oh, that's really smart." I wouldn't have thought of that. That's a great line. Yeah, I'm not Look asking closer. you these things to argue with you. I'm I'm dead serious. Like I I want everyone to tell me. You know. Oh no, I know a lot of people like yourself. I know a lot of people like you that that didn't for some reason like her. I get it. I just didn't get into the yeah, conversation. Yeah, she could have been polkadot. Because it, it doesn't matter. Left. I just didn't get the character. Yeah. You know what I mean? But And it would just go left immediately because I'd be like, I think she was great. I think she was fantastic. And I think Ryan Johnson did a great, a great job. And I love the fact that he is unabashedly being like, look, I don't just hire the the people just for, inclu- for inclusion purposes. I hire the best person for the job. And if you don't like it, screw you. I hired the best person for the job. And I'm like, that is so cool. He didn't be like, well, I realize that we need more Asians in the Star Wars. He didn't say that. He's like, I hired the best person for the team. Yeah, I don't think that it's Ryan Johnson doing that. I just sort of think that it might be Disney doing things like this. You know, in other words, oh. like, and again, I, I just want to fucking stress that these things don't bother me from a political standpoint. I just think that there's a fine line between putting something in for the sake of, of inclusion, like I said, and actually just doing it to where it's an awesome story arc. Like I just read something this morning that they're, uh, uh, Kevin Feige actually denied the fact that they were trying to, like they're trying to put more gay characters into movies, which is totally fine, of course. But they were saying something, I guess they, they misconstrued what he said and it was going to be like the first trans gender character. But like, are they, you know what I'm saying? Like, I really want to be enlightened by it. Like, is it just a matter of if representation you have to something, or is yes. it, or is it like a, like this is a very cool story arc because again, I don't care. Like, okay, let's just to put it in perspective, um, euphoria, transgender character, fantastic role. You know what I mean? But if you, if you, I don't know, man, I, I'm trying to say this without sounding like an ignorant person. Cause I truly don't feel this way. It's just, there's, there's this, I feel sometimes it's done ineffectively. Let's take Avengers for instance. You know, you, you, um, I, I'm all for having the, um, that part where it's just all the female characters. Why didn't they do that throughout the whole movie? Why did they just go, here's one shot. It just seems weird to me. I loved it. And I think it just depends on where you're standing. Like for me, I'm like, I love, I didn't even think about it. I was like, I love, and if they're like, Hey, Marvel or Disney is like, we're going to make a transgender character specifically for the transgender, this, and for the transgender, then do it, shove it down people's face. And if you have to be like, it's not because of the story arc. Okay, I don't care. Shove it down people's face until they deal. They're going to have to just, we're going to make a story just for that transgender person so they have a movie. Great, because we do not see it. If you need to force it down the people's face, fine. I don't need a, well, does the arc, does the arc call for, I don't care. Because if you're waiting for the arc to call for it, they're never going to make the movie. Well, that kind of brings me back to what I'm saying before. That's my point. It's like, what is the ultimate solution? Do you just think just like, just, you know, again, I'm not like, it's not an argument. I'm, I'm genuinely asking this question. 
let's just say like the last few movies that you've seen where it's like a mostly all black cast, right? Has a lot to do with like social justice and things like that. And I'm talking, mm-hmm. or injustice for that matter. Not so much social justice, but as much as social yes. injustice, right? And those things need to be displayed because they've always just sort of been, you see it in the news or you see it in articles or whatever, but a lot of times it yes. does get swept under the rug. Would you not agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if that's the case, if they continue to make movies movie companies, you know, whatever, Disney, whoever tends to make movies that are always kind of on that same platform, that same sort of plot. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm only using this just for a quick example. Yeah. If you keep making movies that are like that all the time without doing other things to make these, you know what I mean? Like, like let's make it an all action movie or let's do it. Well, they did have black Panther. Yes, they did have black Panther. You're right. Yes. Yeah. They had black Panther and you know, we, you have your rock and you have your, you know, a rock who, I mean, shoot, he was on the cover of Ebony. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I thought, I never thought he'd really, he's like, no, I'm a black guy. Yeah. I'm a mixed race black dude, though. You no, know, it's, I hear you. And say, yeah, and so they have those, but you also need, uh, you need a, a moonlight. You need a last black man in San Francisco. You need, uh, uh, the, the love you give, you know, you, the hate you give. You need, also, this is also happening on the ground. You have to see so yourself in the movies, that, right? Is that what you're saying? Like, yes, like people need yes. to see themselves in these movies to relate to them, right? And in their situations, yes. too. Like, I can't see myself in Jumanji. I can have fun, and I see Kevin Hart up right. there, and that's dope. Yes. But I also need to see that, okay, police injustice is happening, and I see myself on screen, mm-hmm. and I'm not crazy. Right. I know that this is happening. And apparently so does this filmmaker. They say, yeah, it's happening. I know gentrification is happening. Why? Because someone, I'm living next to it. And finally someone puts it up on the screen again to say, yeah, our our communities are changing now. It's not the way it was. It's not how it used to be. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Cool. Love seeing it. Okay. So they're going to need that. Yeah. No, that's a good answer, man. And I, and I certainly hope, honestly, because I always feel like I'm, when I, when I start talking about this, that I'm like, I'm never trying to offend anyone. And I'm, and I don't want to come off as ignorant, man. Like, especially as a person of color, I don't want to come off as ignorant and thinking like, why are we putting gay people in movies? I don't, that's fucking bullshit. I, I, it's not that. I just feel like we're at this certain point in time where we're trying to get it right. And it may not be always happening. And I just, I'm just curious, like, what's the fix? You know, like how is it a matter like you were saying earlier, like, um, how'd you put it? You'd said that, you know, you can make these movies, but no one wants to put them out. Yeah. So what's the fix there? I don't think there is. Uh, the fix is going to be again, it's going to be people at the top that have the power to green light something. And looking like or you can have someone like um, I'm sure Kevin Feige didn't always green light things he should have. But, you know. I got to give him props for him being one of the ones that saw that something that there is an audience for a group of people that aren't being served. Yeah. And like, we know what we need to do this on a mass scale, you know? And so you need people at the top that are willing to say, let's give this a shot. We have $8 trillion. Mm-hmm. Well, what if we lose money again? We have $8 trillion. Right. We'll be fine. But there's a kid on, there's a kid like, look at, um, uh, look! Look how much of a swing uh, into the Spider Verse was a Spider Man that was a purple a person of color, right? And then you all of a sudden had kids looking, saying, "I can be Spider Man." Yeah, no, I get that. Now I can be Spider. And that alone, obviously, they're like, okay, it's it's technically they didn't have to shoehorn anything, but the fact that they're like they're willing to say, "We want you to see you on screen," and it made money. 
And it's like, yeah, we want you to see you represented your music, Biggie. We want to see your streets. We want to see your code switching that you have to do on the way to school. We want you to see you. And that changed the game for kids. Yeah, I can't argue that at all. No, and I, I completely get that. But let me ask you something real quick. And I, I've, because I've always kind of wondered about this. Let's just say you take someone like Samuel L. Jackson. Mm hmm. And then you take like the character of Nick Fury, okay, who was originally yes. a white character and they put him in there and it's worked successfully. He's a fantastic character, right? Personally, talking to Steve Hudson, would you rather, uh, let's, let's do one more example so you know where I'm coming from. Uh, the upcoming Little Mermaid. Yeah. As speaking for yourself, would you rather see that happening where you're actually replacing an original character and putting a different race in for the sake of someone recognizing themselves in, in the movie or would you personally rather see a different character that kids can identify themselves with? I would rather see telling our own story. Yeah, right. I mean, I, that would be what, I, but I don't mind. I love the fact that they're in a position where we're replacing characters. Like, I like the fact that some in one of those meetings, they were like, here's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. People are going to be pissed and we don't care. I love the fact that that happened. Right. That someone was like, skip them. If they don't like it, oh, freaking well. They're just going to have to stomach it. And that I love. But I also want, you know, I, I would love a Black Panther to happen. You know, I would love another, some kid coming up with a brand new person of color that's a superhero or transgender or him, they, them person that is actually um, centered and they understand that they're different and it's okay that they're different. And I would love that to just be like, hey, it may not be, it's going to take some a while to get the legs off, but look, someone can do it. If they, someone can make an amazing movie like that. And when they do, it's going to happen and someone's going to green light it. And when they do, a lot of people are going to be, you know, are going to be seen that weren't seen before. Like the people that are um, handicapped that they see these people up on screen that keep on playing handicapped people or less uh, uh, differently abled people up mm. on screen. And they're like, but that person can walk. Why didn't you just, why didn't you just hire someone who genuinely needs a wheelchair instead of getting an actor that learns how to use a wheelchair? And I'm like, that is such a freaking amazing point. Yeah, you could have just gotten an actor that needs a wheelchair. That makes sense. And they need to be seen up there instead of having someone play a transgender person. How about just hire one? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Them the lead you role. know, and I, I feel like I stumble upon these things a lot because, you know, it's like I, I'm not trying to piss off woke culture. That's not what I'm here to do. This show has always been, I've never ever wanted Heroes of Noise to be a, a, an outlet for me to go, you know what fucking bothers me? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not that. Yeah. I just ask these questions because I'm curious. And sometimes I get a little. Um, tongue tied, I guess you could say, because I, I, you know me, dude, I don't want to piss anyone off. You know that. And yeah. our conversations that we have outside of this show, whether the, I don't give a fuck who is listening right now. Steve Hudson knows me and I think you do. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think you know that I never want to offend anyone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I have these, I see things online and I read articles and things and it just makes me kind of wonder these questions. That's all. That's really what I'm getting at. It's like, and that's why I asked you, would you rather see a brand new character brought out that was already black or already Hispanic or whatever versus just throwing them in there. I feel like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think right now people are trying to do the right thing, but at the moment, the effort that they're making is coming off a little bit clunky, but I think they're doing it for the right reasons. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I, I think 
there's going to be times where I'm probably going to be like, oh, that that character is not the great. I mean, like, it'll be, let's do some corny stuff. Like in the Monster Project, that brother, whoever wrote his lines, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was downright terrible. I don't think I, a black person wrote those lines, bro. No, but I would also like to ask the director, why did you cast? And if he was just like, I just wanted inclusion. Uh-huh. It would change what I thought. Yes. And see, thank it you. would totally change. I'd be like, I get why you did that then. You just didn't have a black writer that you could afford to do it. But you were just like, I need someone that's just not a bunch of white folks. Getting, I just wanted someone. And I'm like, it's going to be clunky. Yeah. But the, if I could talk to him, he's like, I just wanted, I just thought it was really corny. And there was just a bunch of, I would have been like, oh, I get, I get what you were trying to do. I totally understand it. You just, here's where you can improve on that next time. It'll be like, okay, thank you. Cool. You know, thank you. I think I needed you to kind of get that out because that's exactly what I'm thinking. It's not a matter of being offended because they're doing these things. And I, maybe I just sort of stumbled over my words, but when it really comes down to it at the end of the day, like I said, it just comes off clunky, but I think that we're going in the right direction where these things are being, they're, they're clunky for a reason. Because we're trying to figure out, like, what again, what's the solution? How do we fix this? How do we have this naturally without making it so... Sometimes it coming off a little bit obvious. You know what I mean? Monster Project would be a perfect example. Just like you said, we, we threw a guy in because we wanted that... Inclu- and this is not their words, obviously. This is just us speculating on what their their what was on their mindset when they made this movie. You know what I mean? Unless you know something I don't. But... You know, I, I wanted to have someone in the movie for the sake of inclusion. It's just I didn't have a writer to actually show me the right way to do that. So it comes yeah. off clunky. I think that happens a lot in film these days. I don't because the thing is, for me, I'm like, OK, if that's the truth, I, I would love to talk to him to find out if that was true. Yes. A and B, would the brother have signed up if he didn't think that was true? If he was like, I'm just going to be the token. Would he have done it? I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of questions I have in that arena. But, you know, taking it back to Little Women. It's like <laughs> that's what we were talking about. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, it's and it might not be as totally whitewashed as I think it is. It might not be. I might be totally, you know, in my brain. But they're like, it's like Well, may I ask your definition in this instance, your definition of whitewash. What do you mean by that as far as little women goes? It's pretty much like an all white cast. Yeah, I mean, you would be right, but they're also not making this movie in 2019 a brand new fresh story. This is just something that they've adapted. Understandable, but they they made you notice when people adapt things, they change certain things, but other things they don't they don't want they don't think it should be changed. And when we make a movie, if we're just we are forced to adapt to things that are going to make the viewer most of America's viewers comfortable. You got to put someone in there to make it easier to watch. Because right now, all I see is brothers. Uh, that doesn't look like what I'm around. That's what I'm saying. It will take an actual change from the very top to say, you know what? You need to. You couldn't find one actress to play one of the little women, maybe. Well, yeah, but it would have made it weird. Well, then explain the weirdness. Well, we really couldn't. It would change the story. You change the stories in other ways. You couldn't have done it that way. No, it's not the movie I want to make. There it is. Well, let me ask you this question. And and please enlighten me, because honestly, if there's an answer for this, I want to know, because now I'm completely asking out of ignorance. Yeah. Would that not be not accurate to the time period? 
inaccurate to the time. You know what I mean? It's like, wouldn't it be inaccurate? That's what I'm saying. To you make period? it accurate. You make it accurate. No, accurate to the time period. Accurate. No, yeah. I'm saying like, but you rewrite. You rewrite it. Does it not? You can't make that interesting. I'm just saying, if we're actually making it a it, granted, this is a fictional movie. Yeah. But if you're rewriting that movie with that time frame, wouldn't it not be? Couldn't people see through that? True, but then if you're making it accurate, then we should see dead black men swinging on trees. Well, I don't think black people were swinging on trees everywhere, Steve. I get your point. I really do. Yeah, but, I well, mean, where, but they technically were everywhere. I can't, and I don't think you're saying this, but it's like I can't look back at the past and say every single person was bad. You know what I mean? So in other words, if you're just seeing a movie where there's like black people swinging from trees, it may not be the situation. No, I'm saying, but I'm saying, okay, if we want to be, because do you know where, where Little Women was, was based? It was in, uh, oh gosh, it was in, um, ah, God damn it. Yes, but it's not coming to me right now. But it was, it was between, it was in America, but it was also in uh, Europe. In both places? There are, yeah, it goes back and forth. Some of the characters anyway. So yeah, if I watch the movie and there are like casually thrown racist epithets and, you know, people, black folks serving everything and mm-hmm. I'll be like, well, it's accurate. No, I, I'm trying to think. I remember like I'm, I'm really trying to think now when you asked it, are there any black people in the movie? I think there was like one, like there was like a couple, you know, and they were just like background. They were just like dancing or whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? but if they were, if we're, because the thing is, if I watch it, it is accurate to the time. Mm-hmm. Very. Yeah. Then I'd be like, okay, well, I can't hate on that. But if it's not, I'm like, well, then you could have changed everything. You're, it's a comfort food. Which is fine. Okay. It makes me want to actually watch it. And hopefully it just wouldn't enrage me. I, I mean, you know what? Honestly, I wouldn't really couldn't tell if this movie would enrage you or not. I personally don't think there's anything in there outside of the exclusion of black people that would be enraging. That's enraging. <laughs> But again, you're dealing with <laughs> like, a certain group of people at a certain time. You know what I mean? And like, it's a family. It's a family that's been established in the book in three different movies. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the sake of changing that up. Like, I, I, I don't think every single movie, like, like I, what I'm saying is, I don't know, like, do you think that if it's an all black cast, you need to throw white people in there too to make it even? You think that's their choice? What do you mean? It's not the black person's choice that... There, a lot of these things happen that they're like, we need to make it more palatable to America. I mean, even Black Panther, you have to make it palatable and throw, you know, the cop in there. You can't just make it all black. But there are times on like, there's times on like girls that it was just white folks back to back. We can't, we can't do that. What about a comedy, out of curiosity, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up, but what about, like, say, a comedy? And it could be, you choose the race, okay? Choose the ethnicity, mm-hmm. I should say. Uh, it could be white, black, whatever. And it's a comedy, and they're using, like, say, the, like, uh, okay, let's just go, like, um, let's just go an all-white cast, and they're using the black guy as comedy relief. Or, for that matter, an all-black cast, and they're using the white guy as comedy relief. Do you think that's cool? It A lot of that depends. It really depends on what kind of, uh, what, what we're talking about. Like, like the bumbling, the bumbling, whatever. Um, I couldn't, um, I don't, it would take a lot for me to uh, wrap my head around the white bumbling idiot only because I don't think I've seen it on a black, all black television show where it's only one white dude and he's the bumbling idiot. That would have to be something I'd have to see. I don't know. 
Yeah, because I don't think they, I don't think, I don't think, and maybe some of our listeners can inform us, yeah. I don't think America would let that on TV. Well, you can go, I mean, Sanford and Son is the first thing I think of. Was the guy a bumbling idiot? Yeah, if he was a cop, and he'd be like, oh, he would like try to like talk to the black guy, so he'd be like, oh, well, right off, you know, instead of right yeah, off. Yeah, but he wasn't, a, he was a cop. Yeah, but still. I mean, I think he's that, not a bum. I'm talking about the because we're not we're not. If you're going to have an all white and one bumbling black man idiot, I don't think the black man is going to be a cop. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I, th- I don't think that's going to be the, the case. This is unfortunately, I think you'll agree that this is something that is not just a simple cut and dry issue. No, like, it's not. It's it's it will. It's it's an e- it's not an easy fix mm-hmm. unless you really wanted to fix it. If you really wanted to fix it. It is an easy fix. Yeah. I swear to God, I genuinely ask these questions because I just want to see it from a different side. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. That's it. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I could, like I said before, a hundred times, you, I don't give a shit what color you are. Just make a good movie. Make, you know what I mean? Like make it right. I totally. But, and but that's everyone not has their I'm different at. opinion. Of yeah. It. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. I can't, I can't sit there and be like, Woody Allen. Yay. Oh. Let's do, I can't do it. Well, neither am I. I'm not going to celebrate a pedophile. There's a difference. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. For me, it's a, it's a, it, uh, it's uh. It matters who makes the film. And I certainly want you to know that it's not like I like I'm not trying to give you the impression that I'll just see anything as long as it's entertaining. Granted, this movie was not entertaining, but there was no fucking way I was going to watch The Last Predator, given the fact that that uh, uh, Shane Black put his buddy in there that was a known pedophile. Yeah, it's cool. He's my buddy. I'm going to throw him into this movie. Like, there's no fucking way that I'm going to watch something like that. So I do have my limits. You know what I'm saying? So I I just, I guess, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just speaking ignorantly and I just want everyone to fucking get along. And I know it's never. That's the thing. I think you're, let's all, can't we all just get along situation? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't use those words, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Which is, I've met, I know, I know that line of thinking. Mm -hmm. Like, can't we all just hug? Well, I mean, I think now you're now you're exaggerating what I'm trying to say. No, I'm saying that, but you are in, in a perfect. You say, "Can't we? We're all the same. You're an. We're all, you know." And I'm not that. And I'm like, but we aren't all. Unfortunately, I like, guess I'm just trying to hold on to to the notion that, in, even in the times that we're living in right now, that at some point we can get there, and it doesn't always have to be a thing. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And probably it won't. It probably yeah. will never get that way, but I don't think that it's bad to like want that. You know what I mean? No. If you're into being disappointed, you could want it, but I just don't want, I'd hate to see you be consistently disappointed. No. I mean, I, I, there's, there's only so much, there's only so far I'm going to go with it because you, yeah. you can't change everything. You know, these, no. these are just topics of conversation. I'm not even trying to be controversial, to be quite honest with you. It's just, we sort of just took this turn, this turn on, on little women. Oh no, it's not contra. It's like, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a, which is okay. It's okay to have two different mindsets on sure. something. Well, yeah, that's what so, makes no, the world go not- around. I think one mindset will never, ever be. And again, I'm not really like comparing this to what we were just talking about right now, but I think that one mindset where the whole world's a collective is going to be really yeah. weird. And we're never going to have to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, we're in a, and again, it's, it's just, uh, I hope, like I said, I, I, my thing is, um, I hope that a certain generation will one day just be able to go to the movies and see themselves and not it being a weird thing. That day is so far away, but um, one day a person will just walk into the movie and be surprised if they don't see themselves on screen. But that day is a hundred thousand years away. We are so far from that. 
And but on that day, we have gotten a step closer to something when that happens, when it's just like, well, of course, I didn't see myself on screen or, whoa, look at that. I didn't think I would. We're far from that. And so, yeah, when that happens, we're a step closer to to something. It's not it's not total, wonderful, you know, nirvana, but we're a step closer to something when that happens. I understand where you're coming from. I don't it, that that stuff doesn't bother me to the point where I can't just enjoy a movie for what it is. I totally. can't just sit yeah. down and watch a movie without getting mm-hmm. so political in my head because I think that that ruins the experience for me. There's certain times where they want you to think that and yeah. they want you to really, you know, sp- uh, especially when it's something like historical or or um, again, you know, social injustice and things like that. I, I completely get that. But I don't know. I was just wondering. It was more of a question yeah. as opposed to a debate. For sure. So Anyway, people. On that wonderful <laughs> note, the last voice you're going to hear happy is New the Year. man is Happy New Year is the man himself, the myth, the legend, Dan. People, I love you. I'm out. Episode 93 is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, what do we got planned for the year? So much. I don't really know. I'm not ready to discuss it yet, but we got things planned for you guys. We hope that you join us on this journey and we hope that you stick with us. I hope that this time next year, you're listening to us talk about the growth that we had in the show, the ups, the downs, everything. Join us. Grow with us. We love you. We want you to stick with us. We are so grateful for your listenership. Thank you so much. I'm going to leave it at that. Happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dan Ramirez. The guy you were just listening to, that's Steve Hudson. We're this little thing called the Heroes of Noise. You know what I'm saying? So with that, be good to yourselves. Be good to the people around you. Peace. Peace.